This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Shut up and sit down. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast brought to you by Tacticam. Tacticam is the easiest way to share your hunts to relive that experience um, and they've got options for you on different price points from the solo all the way up to the 4k 5.0s um, this week's podcast we have a, a dual collaboration podcast with the whitetail distraction podcast so um, uh, charles and austin uh, great guys pa hunters um, so they're dealing with all the pressure dealing with uh, you know public lands you know, all different sorts of, uh, hunting pressure. Uh, I don't believe they can hunt on Sundays, just, uh, you know, all kinds of, um, similar things to, to the same topics that we talk about here on our podcast. Um, they have more of a hunting story, uh, style podcast. Uh, they don't get into tactics, although they do have some guests that, are, are very accomplished hunters and real good guests that talk about tactics and things like that. Um, so uh, this one's got all sorts of different audio, some audio from them, some from us, uh, back and forth. Uh, some great saddle talk, arrow building, uh, bows, preferences, uh, a little bit of fishing, kind of cover everything on this one. So it's a, a, definitely a fun podcast, fun to talk to guys that are doing the same things that we are. And I think you guys are really going to enjoy this one. Um, quick shout out to our latest Patreon, Sam Van Andel. Um, thank you so much. Sam is now entered in for our quarterly giveaway. Um, this quarter, uh, we're giving away to one of our Patreons, which right now, uh, if you exclude friends and family, people that can't win, you still have a better than one in 50 chance to win. Um, and we're giving away a Traeger. That's the Traeger, I believe 575 with Wi-Fi. So, uh, we're going to be giving that away. So think about that on this holiday weekend as you're grilling out and you're, uh, running out of propane and 
waiting on that charcoal um you know we're giving away a grill so if you want to support us support the show um you know kind of help us move things forward um consider doing that you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash bowhunter chronicles podcast um but if that's not for you just tell somebody else about the show and definitely go and check out the whitetail distraction podcast uh, Charles and Austin, like I said, they got a great podcast, but they've got probably one of the coolest intros, um, that I've ever heard. So, um, you know, definitely, uh, something to check out worth it just, just for the intro, uh, alone. But, um, you know, tell somebody about the podcast, tell somebody about what we're doing. Um, and, uh, you know, if you really like what we're doing, Give us a rating, review us on whatever platform you're listening to this on, and uh, check out our YouTube, subscribe to that. All those things help us out tremendously, Uh, but we just want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, We appreciate everybody that listens. Um, Thank you so much, and enjoy the episode. All right, guys, so what's going on? Uh, We are here today. The four of us, a little uh, podcast on podcast. We have the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast doing a little co-op with us, the White Tail Distraction podcast. Uh, you guys want to go around? This is Charles talking. We want to go around the room and kind of introduce ourselves and maybe our podcast and go from there. Yeah, that sounds great. So um, I'm Adam, Adam Miller from the Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast. And, uh, we're just a couple of guys, you know, John will introduce himself here in just a moment, but, um, we're, we're out of Michigan, just regular dudes who like bow hunting, even though, uh, I'll speak for myself when I say that I'm not very good at it. And, uh, we just got into this, uh, space because, you know, everybody was talking about all this stuff they were killing. And we were like, you know, there's nobody out there talking about what they're not killing or like what they're missing or you know, how to get better at it. So, um, I think we represent the, the every man who's, who's trying to get better and, uh, is not posting, uh, one forties. Who's not sitting in their quote unquote, who doesn't even have uh, a rack shack, um, to, uh, to show off. Um, so I think that's a little bit about, uh, myself and kind of who we are. <laughs> I can dig it, man. Um, I'm Austin Schweitzer. Uh, one of the hosts of the White Tail Extraction Podcast. Um, yeah, man, I'm in the Rack Shack right now, and it is pouring outside. We're in Pennsylvania, so the weather's nice here all the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, we kind of got into this whole space because we just both love hunting, and we both love podcasts so much. So really, it just kind of made sense to us to do that. And then, I don't know, we just kind of focus more on stories rather than tactics. Now, that's not really to say that we don't have tactics on our show. We just don't. It's not really tactic-based. It's more story-based. And, you know, we get most of the, like our friends on. We get guys from Pennsylvania, try and keep it close to home a little bit. But then we also get bigger names on our podcast, like the Bowhunter Chronicles, you know? <laughs> and there's no bigger name than this guy that I'm going to introduce right now. This is John Borsma from the Bowhunter Chronicles. How are you doing tonight, John? Oh, I'm doing great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Adam's co-host who doesn't talk much, so <laughs> you might get a few words out of me here and there. <laughs> <laughs> I like no, it. We, you know, we're, we're just the average guys. Just you know, it, our our podcast started in my garage basically because Adam would come over and we'd sit sit out in the garage and just talk about bow hunting and 
what we need to do or, you know, what we think we need to do. And finally he's like, well, hey, you want to start a podcast? I mean, we talk, we talk about stuff anyway. We might as well record it. And so that's kind of how ours got going. And, and it's, oh, it's been what, two? Yeah, two years plus. Yeah. Over a hundred episodes. Yeah. Beautiful. I started talking a little finally after about <laughs> episode ninety nine. Yeah, getting a little comfortable now, huh? <laughs> yeah. Now if it's if if we're talking about, you know, stuff that you know Bo, you know, Adam says, you know, I like to geek out on you know, archery equipment, that's where you know, I guess that's where my confidence you know, leads me. So Yeah. I'm talking about tuning tuning bows or building arrows that I can easy but otherwise Adam yeah you gotta find your comfort level man you gotta find your comfort level that's for sure um all right well charles Sedlin here at the white belt distraction podcast um adam and i kind of got together on this through the first light hunting journal page that uh through facebook page that we're a part of and uh you know gerald reached out and kind of challenged us all to be more of a, a spread out against uh, different platforms and, you know, kind of boost each other up is uh, what he intended. So that's why we're here. And, um, you know, our podcast is funny because Austin and I are probably two of the most technical hunters and we rarely ever talk about it because I guess from our perspective, it was always, you know, we don't want to ever tell anybody how to do it or what to do. There's plenty of podcasts out there that are going to be that way if you really want to go down that route. You know, we're, we were more interested in taking the same thing. We, we, every time we got together, it was talking about hunting and sharing stories. And we love listening to podcasts. We talked about podcasts and then finally it was like, why don't we just do this? You know, why don't we do it? We, we might as well throw some stuff out there. And like I said, we're going to have fun with it. And at the end of the day, we're having fun and, and we get to meet new people. We get to meet you guys. And yeah, it's, it's a blast, man. I love podcasting. Well, I really like doing this because like, okay, so uh, it's a hundred percent self-serving, right? So I get to do something that I like and talk about hunting. I get to ask questions that I legitimately want the answers to because like, like I said, I'm not the greatest bow hunter. I don't claim to be. And what's, what I've learned through all of this is that's kind of disingenuous because, you know, we're talking to a lot of guys that really appreciate what we're doing, but they, they're still chasing that first buck or that first bow kill or, um, you know, they're, they're just getting into it and they don't really know where to start. And then somehow they stumble upon us. Um, and we're, just regular guys, but we try and talk to, you know, some of the best people that we possibly can. I mean, obviously that's why we're talking to you guys tonight. Right. But, um, we, we're just trying to get to, um, those answers. Um, but at the same time, when you're talking to somebody like you guys are, we have the same mindset. We have the same struggles. We know what it's like to get halfway through a podcast and have your equipment crash or like try to upload something and then shit goes awry or like bad phone connections or, you know, trying to do things like this. And, you know, you see people that are, are, are progressing or that are, 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 you know, doing something innovative or doing something different is in the podcasting space. And you're like, man, you know, we could do that or there's something else. So I, I, I listen to podcasts and I love to interact with other podcasts and other guys like this. Um, 
so that I can be motivated and, you know, be accountable and kind of just kind of see everything that's out there. And there's not a lot of competition, really. I don't see it like that, but it actually like drives us to be better and put out a better product. Uh, but when we talk a little bit about competition, I believe it's Austin um, who's in some sort of a yakking for bass competition who got beat by his wife last year. So he's trying to figure out how to, uh, Oh uh, dude or something. (laughs) I actually got her by a quarter of an inch. I just want to make that clear. (laughs) She was kicking my butt the whole competition though. She is actually a fantastic fisherman. So yeah, that tournament actually starts tomorrow, the second year of it. And she's nine months pregnant, and I think we're going to go kayak fishing tomorrow. I <laughs> will see. Yeah. So that's what, another one of the things is do, doing a little bit of research on who your, uh, who your guests are. <laughs> well, thank I'm you for trying. that. I appreciate yeah. the, the kick in the gut. <laughs> no. Yeah, poor Austin's wife had to deal with that quarter of an inch all year long. Oh, Austin. Oh, I hate you. kind of set yourself up for that one yeah yeah you you got me there (laughs) oh man it is a fun bass tournament fishing though i'll tell you what last year man i got involved in it and it took me over the edge for kayak fishing i i never got that involved before it was a lot of fun went out and bought a kayak and i'm looking forward to it this year but turkey season's not nearly over yet we're we're not even halfway at this point, and I am stoked to keep chasing those birds around them. I joined it last year, but then end up and never even made it out in the kayak. Maybe once. Oh man! Yeah, that happened to a lot of guys. I mean, a lot of people we even know that signed up and they just never got into it, never found the time to do it. You know, it's a busy time of the year for a lot of people too. You know, a lot of good lot goes on in the summer. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, it's still pretty cold up here. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, I think we had talked to Walt, like, right before he kind of talked me into it, <laughs> right before it started. And I'm like, how are we going to compete, you know, this, us Michigan guys, you know, up here in the, the Great White North, compete with the Southern guys with them, you know, 10 pound bass. They're going to go over and, and it's like, well, it's just measurement. I'm like, we'll still, them suckers grow all year long down there. You know, they go dormant <laughs> up here. Oh, it but can be done, dude. It can be it's done. Still fun. We had Pennsylvania in the yeah. lead for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, and then they got third, so. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but like he, he makes a good point. Our, their fish aren't living under ice for months out of the year. You That's know? true. Right. <laughs> I mean, hell, it just snowed here last week, so <laughs> I killed my turkey in the snow. <laughs> you know, it, it can get pretty crazy. I mean, the bass are still hitting, but, man, it's uh, – and they wanted to move it up even earlier this year. This happened to be a delay just with everything going on, and I think it works out better for us, but – you know, for the best of the competition, it's all for fun in the end, really. I mean, it's donating to a good cause, and it's it's about having a blast and getting out and fishing with your buddies. Yeah. Actually, like, I went walleye fishing two nights ago, and it was 28 degrees. Oh, nice. Yeah. It was miserable. You doing it good? I only, <laughs> we got one each in the boat, so it's not a very good night. No. I, I'm not a fisherman, so it wasn't, wasn't me. Come on, man. Yeah. Adam, <laughs> Adam hates fishing. 
I like fishing when it's like I don't know what's going to be on the end of the line. So if I if, I like saltwater fishing is a completely thing. But I think growing up in Michigan and I mean with ponds and the big lake and everybody having a boat and you know I mean like salmon fishing is boring. Steelhead fishing I can get behind. I like salmon fish or uh, steelhead fishing. I don't mind trout fishing. I just don't have time for it anymore. Or I don't make time for it. But these guys, they love walleye fishing. And they like to eat walleye. I don't mind eating walleye. But, I mean, it's like dragging in a fucking boot or something. I mean, uh, you get a you get a dogfish or a pike or something. And you're excited about it. Like, oh, it's a good one. And then it's like, oh, junk fish, junk fish. Da, 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 da. And then you reel in a planer board that has a walleye on it. And it's a big old high fives all around. It's like, that's bullshit, you know. That's not any, that's not exciting to me. <laughs> that's not how it's I. like foul hooking a two by four. <laughs> Well, like when I fish at night, I don't use planer boards. I'm just doing one. It's like I tell Adam, it's like I'm hunting them down. I'm, you know, micro fishing, just trolling one rod. And I got it in my hand. I'm always, you know, jigging when they hit. I feel it and they fight pretty good. It's not like dragging in a board on a big board rod. (laughs) You know, meat fishing is what I call that. Oh, yeah. That's fun, too. I mean, you can go out and troll around with your wife and you know, buddies and, you know, catch a couple dozen fish in a day and you know, get a freezer full, but going out at night, just like last week, my son and my daughter went out with me and you know, we ended up with like five and that, that's a good night or over two nights, but yeah, it's a little more fun than just dragging a rod with a planer on it. No, I'm with you on that for sure. Charles got a tree, a coon tree to, uh, <laughs> over there. <laughs> I got a, uh, a a beagle, about a one year old beagle. I think he's a squirrel dog. Um, <laughs> and everything that comes anywhere near the house, they want to bark at between him and my lab. So uh, I do apologize for that one. With uh, our social distancing and good behavior here, everyone's stuck in the house. I'm not at the rack shack tonight. <laughs> Uh, recording with Austin, <laughs> uh, but I hear uh, I hear you guys. I was just listening to your podcast about your uh, your turkey season, man. Uh, you guys want to? I know you covered it, but if you want to touch base a little bit on that, it, it it seems like you're doing pretty good, huh? Well, like for me is I I didn't have the first season, so I've just been the cameraman, and uh, I've been enjoying that. I'm a better cameraman than I am a hunter, I think. Well, you were the you were you had first season last year. You had your uh... yeah, and I wasn't a very good fucking hunter then either. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just me and Ernie both. You know, we ended up uh, we got our birds on opening day. It just turned you know luck of the draw. We got our opportunities and you know made our shots count. But that was a good good season so far. I mean, Frank's Frank killed one. Adams had opportunity. You know, had birds in front of him, had one opportunity that was a little, you know, it was a long shot, so it was a, but. We're we're hunting with bows, too. Like, all of our seasons would have been done. I mean, my season would have been done as soon as it started with a gun. I mean, it would, it would have been immediately over. Um, No, that was actually going to be my next question, whether you were doing it with a gun or whether you guys were shooting your bows, because, I mean, it is Bow Hunter Chronicles, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and like this season has been like for me, 
it was cool because you know fr- uh, Frank and Ernie, my father-in-law, um, there him and his best friend, and my my father-in-law is like the color commentary of our podcast. He, I mean, I wish I had one. They're upstairs. Frank's upstairs, but um, I made some stickers of him. Like of his face, of him, um, you know, from one of his hunts where he missed this nice Michigan buck, you know, and um, but he videoed that whole hunt and and then you know he's an excellent caller, so I, I picked up on that. I never hunted turkeys before uh, him, and I told <laughs> I joked on one of our earlier podcasts, you know, that I'd maybe I'd try shooting a turkey with a trad bow this year. And John was like, no, 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 you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. You need to kill one with a, a wheel bow first, blah, 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 blah. Well, the I've been getting so frustrated that I've thought about bringing a shotgun, and John's like, I'll strangle you. Like, I will not allow you to bring a shotgun. And I just set up this really nice, like, I bought one of the Stevens 301 410s that I set up for my four-year-old daughter, and my wife's been using it. Um, and she's still got a bird to kill, and my my uh, my dad is actually uh, got a tag as well. But um, you know, opening day, my opening day, I had three long beards at thirty five yards that I could have. I mean, I could have shot them with a gun. I could have shot them with a bow, but they were coming right towards the decoys. And my brother was filming for me, and he hit the the leg of the tripod, and boom, alarm putt gone. Um, I had two two opportunities now where I think with a trad boat would have been a little bit easier. The hunt John's talking about, I freaking I I don't know. We just recorded this podcast the other night. I haven't even produced it yet, but so long story short, we watched this bird for two hours and um, I mean, the one video that John's got is 45 minutes long of this bird just strutting across this field back and forth, back and forth. And finally he goes over this ridge and John, you know, so we're doing the social distance thing. John's outside of the tent. I'm in the tent. Frank's behind the tent calling John's video. And his buddy Ernie is in a chair just hanging out. Um, just being part of the experience. John gets out of where he's filming from. We're in this private field with a box blind. John climbs up in the box blind, looks over this hump, and he's like, that turkey's still down there strutting with this hen. I think you can just run over there and shoot this turkey. Or, you know, not just sit here and wait, you know. So, like, okay. So, he gets up in the box blind with a camera. He's set. I'm set. I run over there, run up to the edge, and I can see his fan. I'm down on the ground. And then I'm like, well, holy shit, what am I going to do? You know, so I'm just low crawling. And John set the stage on what is in this field because, you know, I'm, there's nothing. From from your perspective, and then the lay of the land goes down, comes back up, and there's a little ridge. And then there's like a bowl on the other side, goes down into the lowland. And, but there's little tufts of grass. It's like bear grass, almost little balls of grass. And that was like the only thing that was helping Adam out. Like, cause from their perspective, like he, his head could have been one of them balls of grass. Yeah. And, and that's it. And so I'm, I'm crawling up as close as I can get. And I'm trying to range, but I'm, I'm ranging through. 
through these little things of grass, so it's like impossible to get a range. Then I get up, I get them ranged at like 43 yards, and they're coming to me. And this, meanwhile, Frank can't see him. He's in the, still in the woods, and he's still calling. So these fucking things are like working their way towards me, and I'm going, this is terrible. Like, this is not what I need these turkeys to run right over me. So I set my pin to 40, and because they're, they're still working their way towards me. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to get my opportunity here. So I'm laying flat on my stomach, and I draw the bow. Okay, got the bow drawn. Well, that's a terrible idea because now I, there's no way in hell I can let this bow down and I got to lay on it. So I'm like, oh, shit. Like, so and then I can like peek my head up and I'm still trying to keep this bow drawn, make sure that it doesn't go off, you know. And the hen works her way to probably like 25 yards from me because I think she saw me draw and there was there used to be two hens and one of them worked her way off. So I don't know if she saw the movement. And was just coming to check it out. But she got way too close to me. And she didn't alarm putt or anything. And she turned around and started working her way back away. So I was like, all right, well, this is going to be my opportunity. So she's working her way. And meanwhile, John, for whatever reason, he's videoing the hen. You know, so he doesn't he doesn't video me drawn or anything. And then, okay, so John, from your perspective again. So... What happened was that first there was two hens the whole time, and when they got over that ridge, the one of the first time I climbed up, I could see both the hens were just working on that bowl around that bowl, and that Thomas kept going back and forth, back and forth, strutting between them. Well, then when I got back up the second time after I went back down, told Adam, you know, hey, we need to do something. I got up there, I seen the other hen like she just she just took off, went off on her own like straight away, and then. That's when the Tom really started getting worked up because then he had just that single head. And what he was doing, he just kept circling her. And then she'd lay down and he'd come up and she'd pop up. And that's when Adam was trying to, you know, crawl up, get on top of that mound. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm what, probably 125, 150 yards away. Quite a ways. So I'm zoomed all the way in on the, on the camera. So I'm trying to get, like Adam for a minute, and then I'd get the birds because I wanted to show the what Tom was doing. And so I zoomed in on him, and, and then you can see that hench. All of a sudden, she, you know, like Adam was saying, she did something, so she kind of got alert, started going like towards him. And then all of a sudden, she moves. She's like, mm, turn. And for some reason, I stayed on her until she got down in the woods. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, oh man, this is going to be his opportunity, but. I'm not even paying attention to like the cameras doing at this point. I'm like looking. Matter of fact, in the footage, you can see the camera just kind of stops for a second (laughs) and the hen had walked out of screen. And I'm like, Oh shit. (laughs) And so I zoomed out and I've luckily got to the, you know, it zoomed out in the frame. Then Adam's up on his knees with the, the draw, you know, full draw. And then you see the arrow fly and end up, well, you, yeah, so so I waited. She was going away from me, and I waited till his fan turned, and he was faced away from me, and I just popped up onto my knees, and I put it, like, right midway in his fan, you know, because he was, at one point, was 43, and I'm, I'm at 40 on my pin. There's I'm at full draw. I can't range. I can't do it. You know, there was no time to, to adjust. 
And so I just let it fly and it went right between his legs, just skipped right between his legs. And then, and then I, 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 I actually knocked another arrow. And by the time I, I knocked the other arrow, he started running, but he didn't know what happened. You know, he never even looked back. So, I mean, it was really cool. And it was one of those things like where we just made it happen. But that's what I'm saying. Like I got, I ended up stalking another turkey a couple days later. Um, and if I would have been able to just, or, well, not when I, I had, I had five jakes in front of me at 25 yards with no blind or anything. And I was like, there's no way that I can draw this bow. And cause only one of them was really in like that. I was in shooting space. They were all in brush and shit, but I was just thinking, you know, with a trad bow, I could just, I would have been a little bit more, you know, instinctual than having to fucking. <laughs> yeah i just i just missed them you know with a with a better excuse than than what happened but like i said it, you know after after the fact of that like i didn't feel like bad about miss because i miss stuff all the time it's not like a new thing for me <laughs> <laughs> was just a cool hunt all together though i mean watching the birds as long as we did and then you know making it something happen yeah we made the most of it <laughs> I know, like it, man. That's tough with a bow, man. That's one thing we just haven't done, really. Uh, me, personally. I know Austin's chased them a couple times, but... I missed one last uh, year with something it. about... Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. There's something about putting pellets to a face for me that it really does it. And I haven't killed enough birds in my day to uh, to get to the bow yet, but I don't know. I thought about it this year. I, I've killed two so far, and um, I've just been filming a lot, so... I don't know if I go back out, maybe I've been carrying the shotgun, but, um, you know, more and more, I'm just carrying the camera and following someone around, but I'd like to do it. I, I kind of want to decap them. I want to do the, you know, the headshot on them because that's that was, what worries me is, you know, you, you hit them and you wound them and they go, they, they get away. I, I don't, I don't want to wound any animal, you know? Right. And that's, that was what I was doing this year. So, um, <clears throat> We, uh, look, my hunt, you know, we set our decoys up close within 10 yards. Yeah. You know, that oh, way yeah. I hang up. And so I built, uh, I built my own arrows for the, the Magnus bullhead. So, you know, lop their head off. Oh, yeah. And I end up using my target bow basically because it's 60 pounds. When you build those arrows, or even if you buy the, the bullhead arrows pre-made, <laughs> You gotta have a low pound of the bow because of the planing. Oh, okay. You know, it's like a propeller on the front of it. So, there, I ended up building, you know, like, full length, Easton Axis 260s with, but I, I went kind of overboard. I did a six fletch, four, four inch vein. Super interesting. Goodness. And, uh, (laughs) with that, 125 grain head arrow ended up being 35 inches, you know, tip to tip. Oh man. 660 wow. grains, you know, so it was packing quite a punch, but I, you know, I got it flying good. Got my bow sighted in. So the opening, you know, opening day that afternoon, our morning hunt didn't turn out. We ended up, uh, I had roosted some birds the night before and we, you know, I kind of figured where they were at and, we started walking in in the dark, and I had showed Adam, like, okay, I think the birds are here, so we need to walk down to here. Walking in, and I'm like, all right, I need to check this. So I looked on my base map. I'm like, oh, shit, we're 
like too close. We need to back up. Well, we backed up, set up, and we ended up setting up 35, oh, 35 yards under the birds. Oh, so, man. <laughs> they, they, I mean, they're up strutting in the tree above us. Like, and I didn't sound like they were on the ground at that point because I'm in a tent. We, I mean, here I set up the tent, you know, and that's not quiet. And, you know, put the decoys out. And, but yeah, we were we were under them when we backed up. I mean, if you if you if you go and yeah, where where do we need to be? So I, I got lucky and I did pinpoint them the night before, you know, just by dumb luck. I'm like, I think they're about right there. Well, they were exactly right there. <laughs> But so that that didn't, we, I mean they come down they gobbled uh, we were you know seen them you know had birds gobble for like two hours after you know, after daylight but so Frank and Ernie they Ernie got his bird they were done by eight o'clock and uh, so we ended up going back regrouping at the our at Frank's house the studio and then we went to this other little chunk of private. And end up, we ended up pushing, we got in there and here's, you know, four guys, four trucks, Pullman, little private, and then we're all walking in single file, you know, doing our social distancing. <laughs> and, uh, Frank and Ernie had set a tent up in there like a few days prior to that. And then I was bringing my tent in. So Adam was going to film out of one, the tent that was there. I'm hunting out of my tent. And then Frank is calling, and then Ernie was doing the, um, he was supposed to be filming too. And so they're back behind us on a log. And we, we ended up bumping birds as we caught in there, but we were just, you know, we didn't, they didn't alarm putt or anything. We just kind of pushed them off. So we got in set up, and Frank just started calling. I was frustrated at this point. I'm like, man, I call it dilly dicking around. Those, Frank's the king of, king of that you know just dilly dicking and it's like we should have been here an hour ago instead of sitting around watching all the video at the at the studio so <laughs> yeah anyway i'm sitting in my tent and our our listeners probably already heard this part of it but i was kind of pissed <laughs> off i'm like man we push the birds out i'm just i end up sitting down in there didn't even get my shit all together right i eat a sandwich and all of a sudden i hear birds coming like i, I tell you know frank's calling but then i heard like that's a real bird i looked up sure enough there's two hens and a jake coming in i'm like adam birds are coming back so at that point that's what i that's all i seen so i i didn't have my face mask on i still had my camouflage sweatshirt on which i normally have a black shirt being in the tent yeah so i pull my face mask on and turn the cameras on I have a wall camera, and then I had a Tacticam on my bow, and I get everything ready, and all of a sudden, it's just like, it sounds like they're they're coming between us. It's They're this close. It's like, and I look, and here's three long beards come out from right next to Adam's tent. I'm like, oh. I could have grabbed them. <laughs> At that point, like, as soon as I seen them, then I just started drawing my bow back real quick. Real slow, because like they're going right to the. We had a Jake decoy and a and a hen out, and they those three gobblers went right to that Jake decoy, and they started strutting around. And then, so at that point, I'm like, well, I was going to shoot the one on the right close to the decoy, but he kept turning around, and I'm like, oh. And so in the video from 
in the tent, you can see me. I'm drawing back, and I keep, like, I'm going back and forth because I shoot diagonally out of my tent. Okay. Just for – so because I'm 6'3", and I have a real long draw length, and that 35-inch arrow, I had to have some room in there. So I'm, I got the corner posts that I have to go back and forth to shoot around. And then I'm thinking, what bird's Adam on? Like, is he on the one on the left or the one on the right, in the middle? And finally, the one on the right ends up, he turns around and he's like full strutting, like right at me. So I just put the pin right in the middle of his throat, between his head and his beard, and let her fly. And it hit him a little bit low and just like sliced the, the side of his throat. <laughs> but it hit him like, I mean, it was like a Mike Tyson throat push. Like that thing, that it just <laughs> hit him and he falls back and he turns around, but he takes off and like goes over here about 10 yards. And the one, the one thing that I always tell Frank and all these guys, I'm like, always have a second arrow ready. Like, and that's what happened with Frank missed the bird last year, shot right through his tail feathers, but, and he would have had another shot, but he, you can actually hear it in the video. He's clicking around trying to get in second arrow out of <sighs> his quiver. I'm like, you need to have that arrow ready. Well, because John was pissed. He pissed off like, <laughs> ah, there ain't no bringing us, you know, damn birds. And I always spooked him out of here. Well, I just took my quiver off and threw it against the side of the tent. <laughs> so <laughs> you can actually see me in the video. I like drop my release grab an arrow and just rip it out well my secondary arrow was a it was the same arrow and, and you know set up except for i put a uh dirt nap uh the shred head on it. oh yeah that way for a second a second shot i wasn't gonna be you know trying to head shoot him yeah you're just right. trying to get one in there yeah get another one in him so i'm like well he said he was sitting there and he looked kind of you know he was messed up sick yeah and so I got the second arrow and then draw back and I had to get up on my knees and shoot out the side window and, and then, you know, put another one right in him. And meantime, Adam, like the, the angle is perfect because his tent was right to my right. And so he had like jumped up and got the camera like at the perfect angle. You can just see the arrow coming out and it looks like a, a green golf ball. You can just see it spinning. <laughs> That's awesome. It looks like it. Looks like a 12 ring, but it was actually a, and the one thing with the shooting birds with a bow is if you're going to err, you want to err on the high side because it looked like a perfect shot. And when I cleaned that bird, it was basically all breast. Oh man. I shot him right through and it broke his breastplate. And so the, the actual killing was the first arrow. Yeah. Like when you, when you watch the, the video and playback. He's standing there, and the blood's just kind of shooting out of his throat. So that's what killed him. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So that, that's that's kind of why I think Charles is on that game of shooting him with the decap. Like you either clean mess or you're you are killing him. You know, right? And my arrow, mm-hmm. like when it hit him, it I mean it hit him so hard it broke one of the blades off, and I think that was oh. why it didn't. It, but it, and it took a huge tuft, you know, like all of his feathers off the side. And, as it went up. Yeah. And in slow motion, you can see the arrow that looks like an S. <laughs> it's pretty gnarly on the, the power that it, it you know, dissipated into that bird. But had it not, yeah. if I wouldn't have like cut his throat like that, he would have been just missing some feathers. It wasn't, you know, right. 
Yeah, I think that's where the appeal for me is. Um, you know, it's not about the the gruesomeness of chopping a turkey's head off with a, an arrow or anything. It's just the fact that the humane thing to do and the ethical thing that when you shoot them, you, it's one of two outcomes. You're either going to clean miss or you might, you know, tough them up or something. And But typically if you hit them, you hit them in the right spot, you take the right shots, you, it's going to be a pretty clean kill. So I'm, I'm looking into it. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. It's I don't like know. Early. We'll see. Ernie, on his bird, he shot his at 17 yards, and he was, you know, shooting a, a two-blade rage, and he made yeah. a perfect, you know, 12-ring shot. That bird didn't go, like, 14 yards and never even flopped, just cut the top of his heart right off. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I got nothing wrong with that either, by any means. It's just I think the way I would want to do it is probably try to chop its head off. Just, uh... Like I said, I think that'd be more my cup of tea, but I'm not opposed to putting a, putting a nice wide cut broadhead through one either. You know, I definitely would do my research and you got to do the background on it. You know, do your research, look at the anatomy, study it, study your aiming points at all different angles because the, the target's so small. You know, you're aiming at such a small area that you really got to get them, get them good to, to kill them and, and then recover them. Yeah, see, like two years ago, I was actually I bought those uh, Magnus bullheads. It was two seasons ago, and I was shooting my regular hunting bow at the time, and I couldn't get them to fly good out of the bow. So it wasn't like I'm not even going to risk it. And so I ended up uh, buying these four-inch expandables, and those four-inch expandables, four-inch, they're. They're, oh, I think they're yeah. technically a crossbow arrow, <laughs> but I ended up, you know, that bow, I had, ended up having my 80-pound limbs on, so I'm shooting 80-pound limbs. And oh, God bless you. So that, that four-inch expandable, 165 grains, so I'm like, well, they'll definitely do the trick, but yeah, I never got a bird in range, you know, last close. year. Real close. Yeah, they came in around 60, but... We had five guys, no blind, camera, collar, two bows, and uh, the real hen just just took them away, but they came in twice. Oh, yeah, you can never compete with those real hens, man. They're... <laughs> you just gotta scare them off. <sighs> you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's horrible, uh, We had one... We had one this morning, uh, myself and two buddies. I ran the camera... We had one buddy on the gun and another one back behind calling. And, man, it, it just happened all too fast. When we first got in there, we had him gobbling off the roost. And we got in and probably got about you – know, right. we got right on the edge of the boundary to where we had permission. He was on private ground that um, we didn't have any permission on. And gobbling his head off, and, of course, he just stayed pretty much hung up at 100 yards. So we moved down. He was working down like a – a ridge basically it was pretty flat but you had swampy area on one side you had a big open field on the other side and then there was just a, a strip of hardwoods that was just gorgeous scratchings all through it and it eventually turned right and met up with our property so we just took the line the whole way down ended up catching up to that bird he fed off with the hen um 
we had that hen so pissed off out of the roost. He was double, triple, quadruple gobbling at us. We were, we were having a cackling war back and forth. And, uh, we ended up getting all the way up on him. And he, we just kept calling as we got closer, calling as we got closer. Well, he started that. I think we got the hen curious. She started to come in. We went to set up. He got too close too quick. We were one tree away from getting set up perfectly. And there was a big down log with a big root mass hanging out. And we ended up getting set up behind it on a tree, which I knew was going to be an issue. And sure enough, what's that pond do? He comes in and he struts just behind that log. You can see the top of his tail fan the whole way back and forth along that log at 25 yards. And then the hen came in behind him. And the hen came and basically fed right up to us. And then she turned around and what we didn't know at the time, because I've never hunted, we've never hunted this property before. There's a four wheeler trail that we didn't see that. And she hit that four wheeler trail coming right to us. She lost interest in it and our buddy calling back behind us. She took off up the four wheeler trail. He never broke shut the whole time. Really cool bird. And I, I, I hope tomorrow we have a plan to go get him because you can't misidentify him. He has a huge gap in the middle of his tail fan. He's, he's missing probably a feather or two. Just a beautiful, and this is a giant, giant bird. His tail fan's huge. And I had him all over camera. I could have killed him a hundred times, but my buddy was on the left side of the tree. I was on the right side of this giant tree. And sure enough, I had all the shots in the world and he didn't have any. And, uh, they ended up literally that hen turned once she went. He followed. I mean, he didn't care anymore. He didn't care that our, we were calling back behind us. He, he, no interest. He was going wherever that hen was going. And man, that was a close call, boys. That was a close <laughs> call today. Poor Tanner. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poor Tanner. <laughs> poor Tanner. He had a rough day today. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about, man. Yeah. John, I want to go same back, thing. though. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry, Adam. I, I want to go back to the building of the arrows thing, man. If you guys want to jump off the turkey talk, because I know you, you guys covered that a lot in your episodes. Um, how in the hell do you fit six fletchings on a single arrow for one? And is this the only time you've tried six? Do you usually shoot four? I'm I guessing. Usually, I usually shoot four, but I've built a bunch of six fletch arrows. Didn't uh, you build, build one yeah. more? What's that? Didn't you build one with more? You were talking about trying to oh, get eight or. I was gonna. I actually got some new uh, new veins. I got the the PM twenty threes, which I have a nice small base, and I'm pretty sure I can get eight on an Eastern Axis. I can for sure get eight on like a Carbon Express. Wow! But so I mean, it's uh, with like I normally shoot the the AAE Max Stealth, and they usually have a really wide base. So when you do a six fletch with those, there's basically, if you look at it, there's, you see no shaft in between the veins. They just fit. But oh, man. What you do is, like, I use a Bitsenberger jig, so you put yep. it on your, you know, your three vein standard, and you do three veins, you fletch it up normal, and you let it dry, and then you just take it off, spin it 180, and put it back on, and then you do your other three. So it's, it's it's super it's way sim way simple. What kind of helical are you putting on this? It's like I use a right helical um, jig, 
and then I have probably a one degree offset. Just yeah, what nice. I do is I just, you know, with the Bitsenberger, you can't really, it doesn't have any actual gauge on the offset, but I just, yeah. I just move it until I get the perfect lay on the shaft. Yeah. And then I, I don't, don't ever mess with it after that. And I pretty much only shoot Eastern axis, but it, it works for all my other, uh, all the other arrows too. Nice. So yeah, I have, I have some target arrows with the little, the tiny 2.0s and those are pretty cool. I like red, white, and blue. You spin yeah. it, it looks purple, but <laughs> I like that. <laughs> and I made some for, uh, the total archery challenge a couple of years ago. I made up a whole set with the Eastern axis with the, with those same 2.0s. And they've and had that as a six, six fletch. Yep. And you've had that one arrow forever with all white that looks like a golf ball. Yeah. <laughs> and th- those are uh, the fusion veins. And that's actually what I put on this, these turkey arrows. I, uh, well, the very first six fletch I did was with white three inch fusion veins. I still have it and I still shoot it every once in a while. But I, the one year up at Toller Two Challenge, I mean, it was so windy and all my other arrows were getting you know, just blown all around. So I put that on and it was getting blown around, but it, it would end up like tracking back and I was hitting my spot. So, and it looked like a white really? golf ball flying through the air. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> so. That was going to be my next question basically was how, cause you mentioned total archery challenges are pretty long distances. Oh yeah. You're talking about a six vein. That's a lot of wind drag, I would think, but you're saying otherwise. Yeah, it's, you know, I got the idea from, uh, listen to a podcast with, you know, John Dudley, knock on. Oh, yeah. And, knock on. and Mike Slinker. And, well, is it not? It's not Randy Elmer, but pretty sure it was Mike Slinker. And he's done all kinds of testing on, like, the most quiet. See, he's from Oregon, so they have to use fixed blade broadheads. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he did all kinds of testing to find out like different configuration, different veins, every different, you know, manufacturer, uh, three fletch, four fletch, and six fletch. And he actually uses a six fletch fusion, four inch fusion. And that is his most accurate long. And this guy shoots a lot of long distance stuff. He's, um, that's how Dudley and him know each other is from shooting competition years ago. Yeah. And he's actually the guy who, um, he started winter choice bowstrings. Now he oh. he sold that out. Now he has the hex suits, which yeah we we, we wear those all turkey season. And now I have to I'd say I had some pretty good luck this year. That I think if I wouldn't have been wearing my hex, I wouldn't. I have am got very some hesitant of the hex suit. <laughs> I sat outside the blind when I was filming for Frank, and I had a Tom come in ten steps from me. When we got done, I got off, and I was sitting on just my little tripod tripod chair outside the tent next to it, and I had a little fabric netting around, like, my bottom half, but I'm literally yeah. sitting up. I'm 6'3", so when I'm sitting on that little chair, and I had my tripod with the camera in front of me, I just, like, was, like, knelt over the camera, but I'm turning my head, and I'm talking to Frank, like, Frank, you see this cobbler? And he's... He couldn't see it from the angle, but there was a hen coming from straight away. And he's like, it's a hen. I'm like, 
no, it's a gobbler right next to us. But I'm doing all this and filming, and this bird's over here and end up with three jakes, and this bird's just strutting. He ends up going after the jakes and never seen. And I've had him bust me back years ago, you know, turkey hunting with a gun, you know, sitting against a tree, and you just move a little bit, and they're 50 yards, and they're like, that ain't right. Yeah. And I'm sitting there turning my head and moving. But I have a full I have a full hex suit with the gloves and the face mask and everything. The only thing I don't have is socks, but I'm not moving my feet. But yeah. so <laughs> I have you're to, a believer, huh? I have to say I, I believe in it. Okay. All right. I mean I feel like that's kind of you gotta try it to believe it sort of thing. Not a see it to believe it, but a try it to believe it sort of right. thing. You gotta have your own experience with it to really tell, but and yeah, I mean, not to get off the arrow subject, but that's who I, you know, Mike Slinkard had done a lot of research and it's like, and I think he uses the, I can't remember the program for getting the sight tapes and stuff, but he does like a, a four, he puts sight in a four. IQ? I'm not sure if it's that one or not, but he uh, puts it in as a four fletch and his sight tape still is basically the same. So it's, he's not getting that much drop at like 100 yards interesting and i shoot that same arrow with all my other four fletch and you know i i'm not good enough at 100 yards to say it's dropping one way or you know or the other but but yeah so last year shot man yeah it's i mean that's a poke i have like on my side lot here i have a hill that goes up and I, my bag is up at the top of the hill. Like for our total archery challenge, um, the, it was 111 yards for the, the truck shoot. And so I set it up to where the, I could stand at the edge of my driveway right on the blacktop and my bag's 109 yards. And so <laughs> I shoot that quite a bit, but it's good practice for you shoot that all day and you know the closest I have the closest shot I usually take is I walk outside and stand by my bush right at the front of my garage and it's 67 yards that's where my pin always stays oh yeah so well yeah that's not a bad thing those easy shots become just yeah, chip shots when you're shooting like that all the time exactly man. like it's giant <laughs> so the doe like I shot a doe last season and ended up being a 47 yard shot which is a long shot and yeah. I don't you know, I don't recommend people taking that shot if you're not comfortable, but it wasn't, there was no doubt in my mind, like, this is, you know, it's going to be an easy shot. I mean, you're talking about a live animal and it's, you know, the ethical part of it. Yeah, well, I don't feel like that's super out of bounds. I mean, I shot a buck at 43 yards one time and just absolutely annihilated him 10 ring, but, you know, if you practice that shot consistently, like you're saying, you come out of your house and you shoot 67 yards, like that's your shot all the time. And if you're really laying them in like that, I don't have a problem with you shooting 40 yards at all. I mean, that's right. And that's, that's, that's your comfort talking. zone plus some. Right. So yeah, I shoot, you know, especially with the total archery challenge, you know, we, we go up and do that, those courses and some of the one course, like 60 yards is the shortest shot. Yeah. And you go all the way up to 127 is one of the longest. That's so. insane. It's got to be fun, though. It's got to be a lot of fun. 
it's a blast. Yeah, we thought about doing it this year. <laughs> yeah, ours is ours got rescheduled and it falls right into where everybody's leaving for elk. So um, we gotta and 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 you know we have a lot of fun with it. We we have like the perfect condo that we stay in and just I mean everything comes together just great. We did a big cookout for. Uh, the podcast last year with uh, the Hunt of War podcast and uh, the Habitat podcast guys were up there. And, you know, we talked to, you know, a few other podcasts while we were up there. And, you know, we just, it becomes kind of like an ATA environment where there's guys that you see once a year where you get to hang out and, and kind of do your thing. And um, it's really disappointing uh, not being able to go this year. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, we talk to people and, they say, does, you know, when we were talking to the guys from Tacticam, they're like, well, does, do you guys, with the podcast and everything, do you guys still get time to hunt? It's like, the podcast doesn't get in the way of our hunting. That's not, uh, you know, that's not, <laughs> it's not the way that it works. <laughs> so, that's yeah, unfortunate, but what are you going to do? Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, man. We had, <clears throat> I think ours was scheduled for, what was the date this year, Charles? Was it July or was it August? Um, or am I far off on that? I thought it was before no. August. No. It was early. Oh, Seven Springs. Yeah. Was it early? Was I it, it was supposed to be, no, it was supposed to be like the end of May. Last was, weekend of May, maybe? May, okay. Exactly. Okay, That's well, I might have been way off on that, but I remember looking back in, I think, February, and it was, everything was solidly booked. I mean, there was there were no times to shoot, so... That kind of yeah, we looked in, my plans for coming in. It might have been farther back than that. It might have been January or so. We were looking at it, and it was just like everything was taken. All the time slots, yeah. everything was gone. We were we were way behind schedule on that one. Yeah, so next year we got to be in like you know October. <laughs> no. no, they did. They um uh released like the early bird dates or whatever it was while we were at ATA. So we actually booked everything at ATA and it crashed their, their server. And so, uh, when we did finally get to sign up, like we were all over the board too, as far as our knock times and everything. Yeah. That's crazy. And yeah, yeah, maybe we, next year for us. And so we've been doing it. This would have been what our fourth year. Mm-hmm. Oh, and nice. so, you know, we get, early bird options since we've already you know been there and so we'd get like 9 a.m try to get a 9 a.m start every day that way you could get two courses in yeah and then you're hung over <laughs> and you're laying in the bushes waiting for your knock time <laughs> yeah. so how many how many errors are you guys taking if you're shooting two full courses you guys shooting like losing 16 errors a day or what are you guys doing Hmm. I I lost one one arrow last year. Oh, I went through like ten. Yeah, but that's more what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, last year I just had the worst. Um, I I developed target panic, welts on the course, um, and then a lot. Of, I mean, the shots are so tight. Um, it's not like losing arrows. Like you might lose an arrow if you're not John um, on the hundred and twenty five <laughs> yard shot or. Um, a lot of times you'll forget to move your sight tape from one to the other, and then all yep. of a sudden you just send it into fucking oblivion. But they 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 set them up like so tight 
that what was happening with me is I forget what is it, uh, Archer's paradox, you know, the moving of the arrow, right? So yeah. when I was hitting the the target, I'd hit, you know, at total archery challenge basically foams your friend, but you know you could you could shoot a a, a ten ring, an eight, or whatever, and the arrow would slap up against a tree, and it would bust the shaft of my arrows. It was breaking the knocks when I. Oh man! And I mean, how many times did that happen, John? I broke a lot of arrows. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, like you say, they they set up the targets. You might see part of the kill zone at sixty, seventy yards. It's yeah, like, basically, like I'm just gonna send it. Just, I'm gonna aim right for the tree, and no, I'm, I'm not gonna hit the tree. <laughs> and the trees around it just oh. looks like a porcupine. Oh God, yes. There's there's <laughs> yeah. a couple that like you look up. The one was like this buck up a hill about 100 yards, and it's like there's a brush pile. What the hell? There's a whole brush pile in front of this deer. Like, you had to shoot <laughs> through a brush pile. Like At 109 yards. It was yeah. 109 yards with a brush pile in front of the deer. So you just got to drop it. them in there, man. Lob yep. them. Yep. Uh, drop them bombs, man. You're lofting them right over it. <laughs> oh, uh, I can see where the... Uh, the addiction gets for those and where all the fun comes from. That oh. does sound like a blast. Yeah, there's some of the shots, man, like where you walk into the spot and you're, you stand by the cone or the stake and you're like, everyone's looking around like, where the hell's the target? Like, and, the, <laughs> and, the, and the guys in front of you are looking back and they're going, it's in the woods! Like, <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> shit! <laughs> Look for the pink ribbon! But there, like, I mean, what? Holy! There it is. Like, but there's you can a see there's one a, spot. There's a few shots that just kind of like stick in my mind as like, like epic, like iconic shots. Like the first year that we were going elk hunting, like there's a perfect 55 yard downhill shot at this elk, like simulated in this wallow. Um, the one shot on the one course, it's the first shot you shoot over this pond at a carp or an alligator or a hippo or some shit. And it's like 80 yards over a pond and it's in the water. So you're like, you're like, you're either in the bank, in the water, or you get the animal. But the one is, it's usually about like an 85 yard shot. And it's like a, the last couple of years has been either a bear or a, a sheep. But John, that one that's on that, um, the downhill and you got to shoot between those two big trees and there's that stump behind it. Oh yeah. And it's usually that go. I mean, it's so cool. Cause you like, you have to shoot between these like goal posts of these two big like oak trees. <laughs> and it's like probably 12, 15 feet apart. But at that distance, it looks like there's no way you're going to be able to make it through there. And then, you know, into the animal, into the target. Um, it's just so cool. Like the way that they set up some of that stuff. And it's about thirty feet up in the tree because the way the the the, the lay of the land, like you're on the side of a hill, and yeah, then, you know it goes way down, and then the bear is up on the other side of the hill, and so you shoot through the crotch of that tree. Right oh up. man, <laughs> that's unreal, man. I I we've considered it seventy times. And I always kind of I try and keep up with everybody on social media when they're there watching everything. And, you know, seeing some of the core shots and stuff like that. It's always kind of blown my mind. I've always wanted to do it. I just, 
every year it just kind of slips my mind. I don't get the registration right, or I totally forget, it or I schedule something else. Well, if it's you're gonna do it, or if you're, time for. It, but even if I'm on the fence with with something like that, I would say, like, if you don't get in like right away, like Saturdays, you're screwed. I mean, everybody wants to go on Saturday. Friday night isn't very busy, but Sunday the place is dead. So you really? could you could buy just Sunday if you just wanted to shoot. Yeah, and it really doesn't matter after the first set of knock times. So after like noon or like when they run out of knock times, you can do whatever you want to. And total archery challenge is probably like shut up, don't say that. But like it does not matter. Like you, there is no policing. There is. It's kind of like a. I don't know. Well, I, as long it, as you it, have a band on your on your bow. But I've even thought about this for this year, John, like for you and I, like, so this is just is totally awful. And, you know, I would never do this as a bad person, but um, you could go up there and hang out and shoot the practice course without a band. Oh, yeah. And you could and you could do whatever you wanted to. You could get the, the feel for the entire thing um, and just hang out and shoot the practice course. And I can tell you, at least in. At Boyne, they need to do a better job of checking bands on the Sitka bus. I can tell you that. At the <laughs> on the chairlifts, they they do a pretty good job, but the bus they don't do they don't do a very good job at that. So you can shoot the Sitka course for free, I think. Well, I just I was just <laughs> looking it up. The Seven Springs has moved to August twentieth through the twenty third. That might be why August was in my mind then. And so, you know, with, like with us, they might have some cancellations now and have some open slots. That's something that you guys can still do. Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into that after this. See what's going on with it. It's a lot of fun. I might be able to to make something like that happen. We'll see. Just to you know, challenge each other and see who can make it through that little hole. You know, make the shot. You know, we keep score, but it's not like I don't even think I added mine up last year. It's like foam. I mean, foam is your friend. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. just just being able to hit the creature at a, 100 yards, you're like, fuck, yeah. I mean, I know that there was one time I pinwheeled complete 12 ring at 85 yards, and it was like, throw your bow up, I'm done. Never again. Like, And then there was ones where, like, <laughs> you know, oh, man, you're laying up. What the hell? Yeah, I'm getting foam right now. Shoot yep. him in the butt. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's out in the open, but his vitals are covered with, a you know, like a whole shrub. It's like, yeah, I'm going for the, I'm going for the vitals, man. Screw it. Twelve dollars. <laughs> yeah. I did. I lost one arrow and I broke two. That's not so bad, honestly. I feel like I've heard a lot worse than that. Oh, but I bring eighteen or you know twenty arrows just in case. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I was out of arrows last year. I was like down to. I found an arrow that matched my setup. It didn't have the same <laughs> insert, but I was like. I was like, this one, this one's going in the quiver. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Man. Well, we got to keep like it. talking. Keep the technical talk going. Um, what what site are you guys using? That you're making 125 yard shots. You got to have a pretty decent site. So I shoot uh, the Excel, um, the AV. I don't even know the name of it. I have two different ones. I have the like the I have a five pin slider. That I use on my mm-hmm. hunting bow, but when I go up to the art, the Toll Archer Challenge, I usually just put my single pin on. The year before yeah. last, I didn't. I had my because we were going out elk hunting, and so I 
that was my elk setup from 20 to 60, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. And, and then my 60 yard pin is my floater. Yeah. So that way going out, I'm all set. I'm not moving pins, you know, and leaving, you know, an option of error where how many times have you heard like, oh, I forgot to move my pin. That just yeah, happened to right. uh, Joe from the, you know, the hunting beast on the, on a buck down in Ohio the night before he had a buck come through at 40 yards. He set his pin at 40 yards. Well, it didn't work out the next morning. He went out, he forgot to move his pin and he ended up shooting a monster in the horns because I remember yeah. that. I saw that video. Right. Yeah. And so Perfect that's time. the one, one thing I tell people, like, unless you're Cameron Haynes, you know, <laughs> yeah. use, use multiple pins and get a slider sight like that. So, okay. So I shoot my elk at 40 yards mm-hmm. and he runs out to 80. Mm-hmm. Well, now it's just like with the turkey. I'm going to try to get another arrow on and I'm going to, you know, range him, set my, set my slider to 80 and use my bottom pin as the rover. And, but I'm not going to shoot it at the elk. My first shot, like, Oh, there's this elk out there at 80 yards. I'm going to fling an arrow at him. You know, I wouldn't do that, but, yeah, I have the option to try to get a second, you know, arrow in them at a longer distance. No, I'm with you, man. Just yeah. try and get a blader going. Yeah, so, so for like up there, I use I have the uh, the carbon rod, and and then I have the AV41 uh, scope from the Excel. Oh man, okay. Yeah, I, shoot, you, Adam? I, <laughs> sh- I shoot the um, uh, HHA kingpin optimizer light and um i I really like that um but as evidence to buy the uh my my turkey thing this year i mean literally if i'd had a a five pin sight or whatever i could have made a little bit of a better adjustment there um so that's really got me thinking and then i mean so when we went out elk hunting i did the same thing as i put on a five pin sight that that was all set um had that bottom slider and uh that was um that was actually a dead ringer it was like one of their cheaper it it was like probably like the cheapest um slider five pin slider site that's available i think it was like under a hundred dollars um and i was really actually surprised i thought it was going to be a polymer site it was actually all aluminum and uh i mean i was i was fairly impressed with it but the the catch 22 of that is like a I'm really cheap. Um, so that's, I wanted to see what the quality of that was going to be. And what was funny is that I bought that site or I had questions about that site. I asked the guys at ATA uh, as far as like the setup or the tapes or anything like that. They had no idea. They didn't have the answers. Um, so setting up that site was, um, a little bit more difficult. Um, but you know, the sites are so freaking expensive and with those five pin sliders, three pin sliders, whatever, is I feel like just like we talked about at the Total Archery Challenge, you know, you adjust that sight from the day before or whatever, and now you're using that bottom pin as your, uh, you know, as your floater. Well, you adjust that down to 60, 80, 40, whatever. Well, that turns your 20 yard pin into your 40 yard pin or whatever. And if you forget, neglect, like to move that back, and especially. Like in like the elk hunting situation, if you were to do something like that, then, you know, how long is it between elk encounters or when you're moving around now? So they, they all have their 
their own merit, but um, that's something that I've got to look at right now. Um, going back out west and chasing after elk again is uh, I've given that site away, so I've got to I got to make some. And there's there is one, uh, whatever that site that Ernie has. It's that it's like the option seven or option five or option three or whatever. Super expensive sites, but it folds in and it's got all the pins and then you fold it out. And that bottom one is a single pin, uh, floater. Um, so it's, uh, it's a, it's a pretty novel idea. It's a pretty cool site. The only thing I don't yeah. like about that is it's not around housing. Right. It's a oblong housing. Yep. Yeah. Mm. I was yeah, just I looking at that or not. Mine's actually called the AccuTouch Carbon Pro. So that's the, the Excel site that I use. And, and, and so for me, like being, like a not a good bow hunter, a not a, a b not a not a archer, technical, all that stuff. Like everything that John does and why that would be important is like for indexing your peep site. You yep. know, you're you're that you know that's another consistency. That's another you know anchor point. Another you know uh, thing that you can make for consistency for a good shot. Um, and so that doesn't enter my mind automatically where you know john pipes right up and says you know you know he doesn't give himself enough credit he says you know i'm just the guy you know this adam's podcast and all this stuff i say i can't do this without john you know when he gets into bows and and arrows and sights and all this stuff you know uh lest we forget that's why i was over there um you know i'm asking him these questions of saying like what about this? What about that? What about this? Because I see stuff and I'm like, oh, that's pretty. That that's shiny. That's new. That's cool. And John's like back to like, mm, well, you know, fifty years ago, whenever they used to have this and they changed it to this because of this reason or this or this or this. And I mean, you know, the guy's making his own bow strings. He's made he's made my bow strings, you know, from scratch, just out of scrap metal in his garage and some YouTube videos and shit. So, I mean, when John says. This is this is why this isn't a good idea. Um, you you got to kind of take note. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes total sense. I know uh, our bow site <laughs> setups aren't nearly as crazy as that. I think Chuck, what are you rocking? A trophy ridge, I think. Trophy, trophy yeah. ridge. Is that what you're... Yeah, yeah. I've been thinking about going. I'm rocking an HHA optimizer light. That's it's not even really that technical either. Yeah, I had one of those for a long time. I love it. I mean, it's awesome, but... I went from a... Uh, I started off with a fixed single-pin site and then upgraded to a three-pin site. Five was too many pins for me, so I went back to a three-pin. But I'm thinking this year I want to try to look into maybe a, a three-pin with the bottom one as your floater. So... Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to I'm gonna start doing some shopping around and looking uh, real soon here, as soon as I can get my mind off turkeys. Hmm. It's hard. Real quick here, um, how old are you guys? I'll be 30 in a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. so, and how old are you, Austin? Uh, I'll be 30 in August. Yeah, so that's why, you know, we were talking about John being in your hometown years ago for a fireworks convention. That was, what, 1990, John? Yeah, that was the year I was born. I wasn't going to yeah. say that, but, that's, you know. That, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's kind of what I was getting at, so. You were there for my birth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 45, so. Yeah, so when you're talking about, like, starting off with a one-pin sight or this, I mean, like, the the bows that I got, like, 
the first bow that I got from uh, a garage sale or hand-me-down or whatever, um, I had an option between a bear Alaskan and this, like, PSE Sprint or something. Um, you know, so it had an actual bowstring, but they had metal cables that were coated. Um, you know, we had single, like, housing with a pin that you moved with a little, uh, you know, oh, yeah. thing. And, and, and John's setup was the same or, you know, right right in that same era. You know, he's a little bit older than I am. But, you know, my father-in-law, like I alluded to before, Frank, you know, he used to work at the bow shop and he was there for the transition from uh, traditional archery to the first um, the, the, the first compound bows and everything. So, you know, I mean, my dad up until, you know, very, very recently still used that exact same site, that exact same. You, you remember the, the tritium uh, pin? Yep. And that's what he used or, you know, we had a, a nine volt battery zip tied to our site and you'd like click it on when it got to like, um, to be dusk or whatever, or, you know, there was a lot of different options as far as, as setting that up. But, and it was always the two, like the Cobra two thing where you had to sit it on there and then you had something hot glued to your bow that held it on there like the trad guys have, you know? So, yeah. um, you know, when you say like, we're not that advanced, like, it's pretty advanced, you know, from the, the shit <laughs> I was I mean, slinging. I shouldn't say that. You're right. You're right. Oh, yeah. Man. And, yeah. And, I mean, we that era. I'll be honest. I mean, when I first started, same thing. Hand me down. My dad and my older brother, they got into it completely on their own. No one to show them the ropes. They went from you know, like you said, traditional bows to the first compounds, and it was like night day difference but i still remember the metal prongs and that sound when you draw your bow back on those metal prongs <laughs> the whole way back and uh it you know whisker biscuits and uh those came around and they were the coolest thing ever and then you know i remember the slap of the your peep sight from the tube the old tube slap <laughs> we've come a long way in technology from I mean, how I've been doing this shoot since I was 14, so 16 years now as well. So uh, there's a lot that, that we've come from from where we were, that's for sure. <laughs> you, you're absolutely right there, Adam. Yeah, and so, you know, for you guys, you know, we've, we, you know, you got John talking and that's, all, that's great, you know, but so, but for you guys, you know, you you talked about like being the most technical hunters that you know, and you know you guys are are uh, you know dialing it up with all the the antlers in the background and all that. For all we know, they're deadheads, you know, right? So um, <laughs> we, we, let let's you know you don't get to uh, to talk about tactics on your show, but you know being in PA, you know you've got you know what the highest hunter population or you know second to michigan or whatever you know you guys are right up there as far as that um when you what do you think are the biggest things that have helped you to become you know these you know to to find these deadheads um in 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 the state with all these these great pa hunters you know with so many of them how how do you uh what, what do you think has helped you with that 
Well, you know, usually if you look around water, that's where you find <laughs> in the off season. But <laughs> so, uh, honestly, I, I'll say it a million times. The the, the biggest thing for me uh, was actually probably podcasts. Um, to be honest, to to adapt from when when I first started hunting, you know, learning from my father, who was is arguably probably one of the the best deer killers that I know. Um, that man never goes to season without killing multiple, multiple deer. Um, he knows how to read sign, get on fresh sign, adapt to pressure, which you always have to do. I mean, um, some of our state game lands, you might be setting up a hundred yards from another guy, you know, or within a hundred yards from another guy sometimes. And it could just be that little bit of difference. But, you know, I found I killed a lot of deer, but I was never, you know, thing on the mature bucks or seeing that many although i've always had opportunity uh, i'll be honest with you if i if i had the bow i had today and i can blame it on the bow i want but it was mostly me if i shot straighter growing up i could you wouldn't be looking at this little dinky thing behind me i shot with my gun the first buck i ever killed you'd be looking at one hell of an impressive wall um you know and I guess you can always attribute that to one, spending a lot of time out in the field, but learning to read fresh sign, get on fresh sign. And my biggest thing is going mobile. Uh, you know, we were always mobile hunting with climbers. Uh, you know, you can, there's, there's a lot of good trees out in Pennsylvania where a, a guy with a climbing stand on his back can really do a lot of damage. And I know that's like so archaic and rock age now. And, to be honest, I haven't picked mine up in three years ever since I started going with a mobile setup. And I attribute a lot of that to Austin kind of starting me in that game with the first um, hang-on stands and mobile sticks. And then, you know, just listening to podcasts. The Hunting Beast podcast is a great podcast you can listen to for tactics. There's some Bow Hunter Chronicles podcast I heard once or twice. And they have really good guests to learn a thing or two. But uh, <laughs> you can learn a lot, man. Honestly, you can. And I think with the technical side, just with Austin and I, we've got more in-depth on thermals and wind and, you know, um, just so much more than I would ever, ever, ever in a million years do. You know, back when I first started, it was, um, you know, go to an area that you've had luck with in the past, see something maybe off the distance and the next day you adapt and you kill deer you know in that spot um, you're always moving around moving towards the newer fresher sign being out in the woods to be able to experience it and see it so i mean i guess from uh, from our standpoint and my standpoint i've gone way more in depth on on setups and and it's helped me get on so many deer i mean i had seven shot opportunities this year in the first 10 days of the season so um I mean, they were dough, but again, that's all nine. That was all public land, you know, Allegheny National Forest, big woods. Um, you know, when you can get it done on public land in Pennsylvania, I think that's something to be said. And I think it's the same as if you were to get it done on public land in a lot of places, especially Michigan and Pennsylvania and, and where we're at up here in the north. That's pretty long winded, but. Hey, no, that's fine. And, I, you know, I want to go backtrack on a, a little bit of that but i want to hear from captain deadhead himself 
Austin over here, you know, what, uh, what, what do you think has, has, has helped you, you know, what are, what are some of the tactics or the things, you know, because like I say, you know, for our listeners and things like that, like they gravitate to us because I suck and it makes them feel better as hunters. Um, so, you know, how have you, you know, been able to, you know, with all the pressure, everything that goes on in, in Pennsylvania and, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about the antler point restrictions and things like that, but it still takes, you know, getting around those other hunters and, and working around it, or is it just you got deep pockets and, you know, you, you got a, a game farm that you, you frequent? <laughs> uh, the game farm thing, yeah, high <laughs> fence only for me. <laughs> no, uh, I'm kind of on the same train as Charles. I mean, I might have got in the podcast game a little bit earlier than him, kind of learning and that's not to say that I didn't really have great mentors growing up like my grandfather my my uncles you know teaching me the, the fundamentals of hunting was you know excellent from them but really getting technical and and like Charles said the hunting beast like hunting the beast style tactics and being mobile kind of uh that kind of really took me up into the next tier of things and you know the whole pressure thing with Pennsylvania <clears throat> And we kind of downplay it sometimes, but it really is real. I mean, you guys, you know, you're up in Michigan. Hunting pressure is astronomical. Like, if you brought guys from Iowa out here, they'd have a hell of a time just even getting on deer in general, you know. But my biggest thing was really learning to look for those areas that are just overlooked. And I don't care if you're hunting the Allegheny National Forest, like Charles said, where it's 80,000 acres and you just find that one pocket that guys aren't touching, or you're finding like a local little 10-acre piece that just holds deer, and no one really thinks about it. It might be surrounded by an HOA and you have to get permission from everybody. But that kind of style is kind of how I feel like we can get it done a little bit more than most of the so-called jabroni hunters in Pennsylvania, you know? And and so when you're talking about your mobile setups what are you guys running for what what makes you mobile what are what are your setups so i was kind of like charles before i was running a really old climber for a long time and then i switched over to an xop vanish and lone wolf sticks and i ran that for two or three years and then last year i stayed with the xop for like my first two or three hunts and i actually turned into a saddle hunter last year I don't know if I mentioned that or not, but I'm a saddle hunter now. Saddle hunting is the best saddle. Um, <laughs> but that was really a game changer for me, too. Even my sticks and stand setup was pretty light. But switching to a saddle, I mean, man, it's like non-existent. But uh, that that's kind of how I think Charles kind of got into it a little bit last year, too. The saddle hunting, getting a little bit more light, getting a little bit more agile. Well, so you did say saddle hunter, uh, game changer. And you did say uh, lightweight, so you are definitely a podcast host, um, you know, and, and that's the only thing. I mean, I we talked a little bit about CrossFit and your uh, how you switched over from veganism uh, right before the podcast, and I didn't hit record, so I missed that. Uh, and, and Charles, what is your what's your setup? <laughs> so I am currently trying to sell my trophy line. The ambush that I have right now because I went from same thing API climber stand to the XOP vanish with the lone wolf sticks 
And then I ran last year the Lone Wolf Sticks with either Austin's homemade platform with my trophy Tina 1.0. Yeah. Or uh, I actually, I did run a couple times. I ran the, the steps, the three um, wild edge steps around the tree, which I didn't mind, but I do like the platform. So my thoughts for next year are uh, probably going to pick up a Ridge Runner. I'm really liking what the Ridge Runner looks like and what it offers as far as from a tree stand guy that I've always hunted tree stands. I kind of like the, that I can stand up on it, pull my backpack up and, you know, do whatever I need to do. It I, I think it adds comfort as well. Um, I'm, I bought Wild Edge, a full set of Wild Edge steps. Probably going to get rid of the Lone Wolf sticks and might upgrade to the out on the limb Shakars. Um, really loving what they're doing over there at out on the limb. And, uh, Matt Garris is a great guy, so I think that's going to be my setup for next year. But still looking in, I'm still and in the saddle or the saddle market, man. I I, I don't know. I, I, you guys talk about the Phantom. I've heard a lot about the Phantom. I was always I was cheap too, so I'm I'm trying to pick up whatever whatever I can on the cheap side. Um, might look to see if I can't pull Manus off somebody that's trying to get rid of it. You know, that upgraded to the Phantom, but. You know, and I think we even answered your question, Adam, to be honest. Like, what, what technical, um, the initial question of what our, our real strategy is. Did well, we? Did we you, you, a, a little bit. I mean, you know, you, you said, you said going mobile, and, and I wanted to circle back, uh, because I want to talk about the, the, the sign, um, reading fresh sign. I think that that's one thing that's consistent with everyone that we've talked to. But, you know, it's, it's, it, you know, you fucking, you talk, and we talked to Dan and Fault about it, and he said, you know, well, yeah, you just, you gotta hunt hot sign, hot sign's hot. Like, well, how the fuck do you know if it's hot? Or like, what the, you know, I, that seems like it's just a bunch of like double talk, you know? So I want to yeah. get into that a little bit, but, but real quick, um, just because you were talking about the out on the limb stuff, trophy line, etc. And earlier you had mentioned that you had some questions about the Phantom. I think that, um, John's going to be your guy uh, as far as the if you got any questions about the Phantom is concerned. Uh, but have you messed around with the Ridge Runner? And, and I, I just want to say, like, we talked to Matt Garris um, on the podcast, and we talked to him in person. I've talked to him a, a lot. Uh, he's made me a couple of different uh, camera arm bases, like, specifically to use his base with the fourth arrow arm, and it'll fit John's muddy arm um, as well. So... Um, I, I don't have anything bad to say about him or whatever, but I had a Ridge Runner. I didn't, uh, and the personally for me, I didn't, I didn't care about, care for the way that it hooked up to the tree and the way that it had to cam over like twice. Um, I used it on a lot of pine trees and it didn't really, for me personally, that's where I had an issue with it. Um, and so that's, it didn't have anything to do with the way that it functioned other than, the bark got into the leveling mechanism um, and it was kind of like a pain in the dick. Um, so I just abandoned that. And it's not like I'm saying, Oh, well this platform is better. or That platform is better. But that personally for me was why I chose something different. Cause I had one of the first Ridge runners that came out because it was one of the things where 
you know, everybody's talking about this platform. Everybody's talking about this platform. Everybody wants to build their own goddamn platform. And I'm like, this is a new one. Nobody has it. So I'll do the pre-order. I'll have one of the first ones that comes out. And, um, it just, it just wasn't for me. I know a lot of guys like him, and I know that he's used that method of mounting, uh, his tree stands to, to the trees for, for a long time. Uh, but just for me, it just didn't work out. And then with, uh, if, um, assuming that I get it back, cause one of my patrons has a mantis, I got a mantis. I'll send you and you can mess around with it. If you want to use it this year, you can use it. It's fine. Um, we've got, uh, John and I have phantoms. I hunted out of a mantis and a trophy line, all last year and for me i hunted the first half of the year out of the mantis the second half of the year out of the trophy line and i had to hunt the end of the year out of the mantis because people were asking me like what's the difference and i didn't really have a good answer i mean both of them have their strong points and their their weaknesses i don't like the bridge on the trophy line that much um but i like for sitting it's awesome because it's so big and it's, you know, if you're going to sit in it, if you're going to lean in it, it feels like it's pinching your guts out. Like it feels like it's pinching your ribs. And it, everybody talks about hip pinch. Well, with the mantis, if you sit in the mantis, it wants to slide up and you got to mess with it and dick around with it. The bridge is awesome. The Amstel bridge slides perfectly. But then if if you lean in it, there's no issue. And, you, you know, there's... Um, the microfit adjusters and everything like that. But I feel like if you hunt out of them and you really hunt out of them, you're going to adjust them like, and understand like what you can and can't do out of them. I mean, and I hunted all day sits out of both. I hunted a shit ton out of both. I never sat in a tree stand once last year. Um, and that's not to say that I'm a saddle hunter all of a sudden, but the, I got a saddle. I got one of the mantises. Um, my mom bought it for me for Christmas. My mom called, uh, tethered and chewed him out because it wasn't going to reach us by <laughs> Christmas time. And, uh, that's something I've had to answer to Greg and Ernie both face to face, uh, each time, every time I see them. So, um, but I felt like I had to do it just so I could have an intelligent conversation about saddle hunting. And, and, and once you do it, um, it is, definitely a, a, a paradigm shift as far as you're thinking on a, how you set up in a tree and B, um, you know, the, the bulk though, this is not a weight thing. It's more of a bulk and a convenience thing. So like for me, that's, that's kind of how I, I landed uh, hunting from a saddle, not because, uh, saddle hunting and CrossFit and all the shit that I just want to tell people that I do, um, hunt from a kayak and all that 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 podcast hosts are supposed to do um i haven't not ventured into that but and, and so we got phantoms um this year and uh, we sat in them a lot and i think john has a better affinity for for the phantom um than than i do um just because i didn't i mean I know exactly what I wanted. I think what they did with the Phantom is they took their hundreds and hundreds and thousands of hours of sitting in these saddles because the guys that have created these and the guys that inputted, they said that a lot of time 
like you did Charles and Austin, whatever, to sit and say, man, if I can make my own saddle, like, I don't like this, I don't like that, I don't like that, and they've created what they consider to be the perfect saddle, which is a terrible thing if you're trying to sell shit because you can't sell them the next one because you've already you've created the best one, right? But yeah. uh, it addresses just about every problem, I think, that, that most people have. And, and, and John, you spent a lot of time, and you, I mean, we both spent a lot of time explaining saddle hunting and saddles at the at the expo to different people but i think it really made a difference with john as far as like the ability to be able to to change that that phantom saddle yeah i mean you know i think a lot has to do with um like your body style your the way your body's shaped for one you know adam I, i'm six three you know 235 pounds but i've had I have a very bad back. I've had four back surgeries. And so when Adam oh, first got his saddle, I was like, what the hell is that diaper-ass thing you got on? You know, I'm like, <laughs> I, wa- I, I got over to his house, and he was swinging around on this thing, in this thing on his pine tree in his yard, and I'm like, no, nah, I'll stick with my stands. Well, last year, my back was out. You know, I had terrible issues last year. Finally started hunting like three weeks into season. And of course, carrying camera gear, I've used my XOP stands, sticks, and those, like the XOP sticks, are not light. I think they're between the four of them, they're almost 16 pounds. Oh, holy hell. And that, I even have the, like, the mini versus straps on them. And then I'm using the bigger uh, XOP stand, not the biggest. Air raid. Oh, the air raid. Air, air raid. And so yeah. with my camera gear and all that, even in uh, you know early season, it's it was over fifty pounds for my pack. Wow. And so I hunted a couple times, and yeah, it was just I told Adam like, dude, I'm not, I'm gonna get it stuck out here. I ended up hunting on the ground a couple times just because I was I didn't want to risk throwing my back back out. And so he's like, well, here, take my manis. Try it out. So I went out. I just picked it up, went straight out, hunted with it, and I was like, "That's it. I gotta have a saddle." I told him, "I'm like, dude." But at the time, um, you couldn't even get a manis. Everything was on back order, sold out. My mom couldn't even do anything for me. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it just happened that trophy line was, you know, they were coming back out like the, I think that week they were being released. So we ended up. Got a couple on order, got one on order for sure. And then, I mean, it literally came in. I picked it up from Adam's doorstep, unboxed it, did a little video, and went straight to the tree. I was so excited, I actually forgot, like, my top steps. So I could, <laughs> so I was standing on just one, because the XOPs just have the one step. But, yeah. but, and I hunted out the whole rest of the season. And, and I, you know, killed the my first deer out of a saddle and it was awesome like the ball even though you know the trophy line i'm not it, for the price you know it's a good entry level you yeah. know saddle and like adam adam got comfortable i had issues trying to it, it wanted to ride up on me a lot and i had a lot of rib pinch because that the way that bridge come up 
crush my rib cage and end up having like a stomach ache because of it. Um, but and it's big and bulky. Now we got when I put not, the, but but compared to your air raid, it's the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> so I'm comparing it to the Phantom now. <laughs> okay. So yeah. when I put the Phantom yeah. on, it was just like, man, they, you know, all the hype. Here I'm thinking, can it really be that good? And it was. It is. Um, it's got the the comfort slots adjustments, and you can just by moving those that bridge in those notches makes a huge difference. You can change like the pressure point from being more like sitting on the bottom of your, you know, like the back of your thighs, or you can swap it and it'll be more of your, your lower back. And I like it right in the middle. And they said, I haven't obviously got the hunt out of it yet, but I spent a lot of time doing demos in it. And matter of fact, I would just like, even when we're at the expo, and there was no one around, I would just go hook up to the tree and just sit because it was yeah. so comfortable. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a testament right there. Yeah, I mean, and, and that, like with the bridge, the way it, it's adjusted, uh, just everything about it, I mean, it's slim. I mean, you don't even know what's there. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely attest to what you're talking about with the bulkiness of the trophy line compared to um, you know, a good buddy of ours that actually we got into saddle hunting as the guinea pig before we went into it. Um, he went with man and I got to sit in it and man, it's like, there's nothing to it. And then you get that trophy line and you have those big rigid edges and, you know, the big wide bridge. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not bad by any means. Now, mind you, I did do three all day hunts in a row out of it perfectly fine now that third day my my butt was a little sore like you know just above your your waistband was pretty sore i had to kind of lean up against another tree but um again i didn't know there's there's a lot i could be doing wrong i right. i hunted out of stand all year last year and then days before my ohio trip out of state i got the trophy line in the mail and i just i mean i hunted out of austin's saddle that he he actually made a couple times, but other than that, you know, I just wung it. Just went out, winged it. Um, I loved it, but who knows? My tether height could have been off. There's a lot of things I could have been doing wrong. And, right, um, and that's that's where learn. I'm. You know, I'm no like I said. I just I got Adams, and from my experience, you know, it it what what happens with the with the Phantom is it takes the learning curve out of it basically well in i mean the the funny part about the whole thing and this is i mean i i always defer to john i always defer to john you know john is the brains john's this uh, whatever and and he says nah blah 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 blah. well if you go back to our breakdown of our season and our gear you know we talk about the mantis and the trophy line we have both of them in front of us John says specifically, if you were to take the trophy line and do this, and if you were to take the mantis and do this, this would be the perfect saddle. And lo and behold, we show up at ATA, and he's like, this is what I just fucking said. Like I said, (laughs) 
specifically all of these things. Now, the comfort channel and the bridge, like whatever, but the shape of it and the angles and everything is exactly the way that he broke it down as to what he would do differently, you know? So uh, he, he, he says, he says, well, yeah, 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 you know, this is Adam's podcast. And like, oh, boy, I'm safe. He's the brains behind the whole thing, you know. Well, it's just looking at it from like a the point of view, like how would this thing be more comfortable? Like if I could sew it up, it was like it should be like shaped like a football and cupped, and that's exactly what what the Phantom is. It looks like a cover of a football, but yeah. But and then to go back to that the platform, what was that one that you had, Adam? The Ridge Runner. The Ridge Runner. Now, this is coming from Adam, who he wouldn't use the wild edge steps because he didn't trust or like doing the knot. No, I just I didn't put the time into it. So right. I, I, my thing was is that I know myself and I know like what it's going to take. And I fucked around with those steps, and I we got I, I can't like. There's people that say like, "Well, yeah, I've tried everything." Like. I got the primal steps. I got the wild edge steps. I got lone wolf sticks. I got XOP sticks. I got a shikar. I got B sticks. I got cut down APIs. I got muddy pros. Like the only ones I haven't messed with is the hawk sticks. But uh, I mean, uh, basically every single possible popular climbing apparatus I've tried. And in messing with those, and I messed with them on these pine trees, and I did the knots and I messed around with them and I just couldn't get them to where I knew that I was going to be able to consistently do that up and down the tree in the dark every day or I wasn't committed enough because the sticks I didn't have a problem enough with the sticks to do it you know and I got some to to, to try it and so I said here John you do it you know so it wasn't I wasn't trying to knock Adam I was just trying to give you some Paint a it's, picture, yeah. Yeah, paint a picture. On, that way it didn't sound like he was just making, making that. <laughs> well, well and to your point, though, too, Adam, you've mentioned pine trees a lot. And I have firsthand experience with the steps and pine trees, and they do not go together. Um, that is not something that is that I was even comfortable with. Uh, the first time we busted out the wild edge steps, and we threw them up on a small pine tree, and they slipped and slid all over and tore it all up. and um, you know, and and then you put them on a nice size oak or or a nice maple or something, and they bite pretty good. Um, I always felt like the harder the tree, uh, the better those actually worked. Um, compared to a soft tree, they they you'd step on one side and it would just like completely tilt down, and it would you know be at a bad angle. And I, I've dealt with it, so I know where you're coming from, and it's complicated. Um, my buddy, our buddy who started this whole thing and kind of put the bug on me, he's been using the wild edge steps and he's been doing the nader and suader and he swears by it, man. He, he gets way up in the air with like four steps. Absolutely loves it. He's, he's crazy. He, he's gone to the climbing with, you know, with the, um, what are they called? The little the spurs now. What? Spurs now. Yeah. He uses spurs. Well, the tree hoppers too or something. Yeah, he, he's crazy, man. He's, but it's fun. It's fun to, to play and tinker. It, it's a beautiful thing in the world we live in now that we have all these options and 
we have everything that we want to choose from. It's just finding what you're comfortable with and finding what works best for you. Well, and I personally, though, I think like, so for you guys or for myself or John or whatever, and, and I put John in these positions all the time, or just like, I don't know. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know who we're talking to. I don't know what we're doing, but like, you know, to, to sit on here, have somebody ask you a question and you try to answer a question that you have like somewhat limited knowledge on, you know, it's like, I feel like I got to try everything and then I can like formulate an opinion. And that's, and that's what I try to do because there's so many fucking internet commandos out there that are like, Whoa. and it, I don't really care about that one way or the other, but I just, I mean, that's one thing that I have a hard time with. Like I absolutely love the tethered guys and I love everything about like how they created their company and everything. But when you go online, all the tethered guys seem to gravitate and, and chime in and it seems like they're bullying people. And then, then people fucking automatically have a bad taste in their mouth about tethered where it's like completely the opposite. Like if you were to step back before saddle hunting, before tethered existed, these are the guys that were answering all the questions and everything like that. And so now you've got guys that are just pissed off at guys that actually know what they're talking about. And then they just speak on things that they have no business talking about, or they have no opinion on. And it's like, I, you know, from, from our perspective as like, we're just regular guys but you know we talk to all these people so i see a lot of people that that have podcasts and they talk to people they talk to companies they talk to um you know on different subjects where they never have had and we've turned down a lot of podcasts but we've never had the product in our hand to say this is what i think about it or what i you know what my real opinion is and and that's one of the hard things like i said i i personally put john in this position all the time because i'm like he said before like i'm always on social media i'm always talking i'm always you know i'm i'm kind of have my pulse on like where everybody's bitches are so that way i can formulate i can drive our podcast to things that are talking points and we can talk to people that are polarizing or we can talk about things that are that are kind of crazy but at the same time it's like i feel like we have to actually try them before we start talking shit, you know? <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah, that's the whole problem. That I mean, there's a reason why. Good, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, to your point, there's a reason why you don't really hear me chiming in, talking about the trophy line, talking about Tethered Mantis, whether it'd be the Phantom or the Mantis. Um, I didn't hunt from either one of them this year. I hunted from a saddle that I made myself. And if there, I have complaints, it's only, <laughs> I can only complain to myself. I mean, I can speak to XFE stands. I can speak to, you know, lone wolf climbers. I've used those a couple of times and I can speak to my sticks, you know, but when it comes to a lot of things, I can only really speak to general saddle questions when it comes to that. And, you know, I don't even really have a whole lot of experience to that because, Truth be told, I only hunted out of my saddle like three times this year. Yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be nervous with that maker as well, but um, you know, sometimes you got to try it before you uh, 
you know, you could speak on it, you know, so. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but, but like I say, for me, like, we have, between John and I, we've got six saddles, I think, and oh, man. I've been sending them all over the country, like, like through our Patreon network, like, guys want something, and I'm like, I'll just send it to you, and guys are like, you're kidding me, right? Like, they've decided to support us, so I'm like, well, I would assume that you'll send it back if, like I said, if if I don't get the mantis back, then Charles, you can't use it. I can give you an address where you can go pick it up if you want. But, um, <laughs> like, like the thing is, is that I, the thing about tree stands and saddles and, and where I feel like there's a big difference is, is like a saddle is like a piece of, piece of clothing, right? So I can have a bunch of kick-ass boots or like some real cool like Sitka or First Light or like whatever, but I can't wear five jackets and I can't wear three sets of boots. So if I'm not using my saddle, then I can let somebody else use it. Where if I had a bunch of tree stands or whatever, I could set them in different places and, and like whatever, but that's the beauty of, of saddles. So like one thing when we were at the, the expo, like first of all i feel like we live in echo chamber in a bubble with the podcast community and if you're listening to this podcast whether you're a whitetail distraction podcast uh, listener or you're you're one of our regular listeners you've probably heard me say this before but like i feel like everybody knows what a saddle is and everybody knows what you know mobile hunting is and everybody knows about sticks and everybody knows about this john how many people walked by the tethered booth and said Oh, so that's for setting a tree stand, or that's like, that's how you climb the tree, or or what? I mean, what is that thing? <laughs> and and this was on like, we we got there I think on Saturday, and or or Friday night, Friday night. The Phantoms went on sale on Wednesday and sold out on Wednesday, so people coming by are, are like, oh, that looks pretty cool, and I'd be like, well. Why don't you get in it and, and sit in one? No, you know, I don't really know. I'm like, look, these went on sale on Wednesday. They're completely sold out. The only ones that exist in the country are here or in North Carolina. So if you have any interest in ever sitting in one, you might want to try it just to see if it's it's for you because it's, it's something that's not, you know, you can't go to you know for us it's it's menards and you can buy a $30 hang on stand you can buy a $80 climber or you can you can go to dunham's or you know we can't go to whatever. cabela's yeah you know you can you won't find one of these so you have to know somebody or you have to have your pulse on like what's going on to even understand like what's going on and like john had literally like fucking andre the giant come in <laughs> And want to sit in this. John is a big guy, you know. He said it, and this guy was taller, like than the uh, fucking stand. I was looking <laughs> up at him. I had to get in the saddle on the other side of the post just so he didn't break the damn thing. Up. It, the The pole literally bent like when he got on it. <laughs> oh man, that's a big I, man. Yeah, um, it was it was uh, what's his name got on the pole with me, like was holding Chad and. Just so it wouldn't break this our display model, like. Oh and it wasn't God. the saddle wasn't going to break. It was the telephone pole. Yeah, the pole was going to 
rip off the base. Well, but if anybody point. has any hesitation about the saddle, it will hold you. And, <laughs> but, and this guy wasn't, he was like, he looked like a freaking huge football player. I mean, he had to have been like a pro football player or something. If not, they wanted him to play. But he put it on, put it on and he had, the, the, the only reason why he didn't buy one was because it didn't go around his weight. Like he had to, he had, it was too tight around his waist and he had the oh, belt man. completely, you know, adjusted out as far as it would go. And so Ernie's like, here's the deal. He's like, I'll go back and have one made for you. And here's my information and I'll get it out to you. And now we're going to start making the belts bigger just for that reason. That's crazy. But, but my point is, is like, I cannot sit in all these saddles. I'm not a collector of saddles. Yeah. And everybody wants to know like what one is better. So it's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Like it's way different than your tree stand. Like if you're having problems with your tree stand, like whatever you want to figure out saddle hunting, don't talk to internet commando who's paid by this company or, or, or whatever, or is pissed off because these guys chime in every time because they fucking know what they're talking about, but you don't like the fact that they chime in every time. It's like, just get one and try it. And so for us, like we're in a position that we got a shit ton of saddles laying around and there's no point in us just looking at them. So it's like, here, try this one, try that one, whatever, figure out what you like or what you don't like. And if you don't like saddle hunting, I don't care. It doesn't make or break me. But in, I mean, I've seen, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen the one on, on the forums or whatever, where a guy weaves one out of paracord because he's like, well, this is the coolest thing ever. Well, <laughs> that might be cool at three feet off the ground, but 20 feet up in the, in the air, when you clip into the saddle for the first time and you're hanging by one piece of rope, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, is this real? Like, is this like what I'm really doing right now? Because you're, you're used to a climbing harness where it's set to like, if I mess up and I fall, I hope that it's going to help me. But now you're saying, yeah. this is all I have. All my faith is in these few things. So I got to commend you, uh, Austin, for having the balls enough and the confidence in yourself to just knit one up and, uh, you know, clip into it because I could not do that. I'll tell you what, man. You know, <laughs> I went overboard. <laughs> I went so overboard on this thing. I went like 6,000 pound webbing, like 6,000 denier nylon, like everything. Like it is not the lightest saddle, but it's comfortable. And I tested the hell out of it on ground level, like jumping up and like slamming down, just trying to break this thing. And it wouldn't budge, man. And that's kind of how I got my little like bearings, I guess you can say on it. And I was using an Ernie special platform, man, out of a freaking XOPC. Like it was, it was, it's rigged, man. It's not anything crazy and special, but it works. And speaking of like lending your saddles out and stuff, I killed my buck this year and Charles was going on a trip and he was like, dude, I'm just going to use my XOP. And I was like, dude, I don't need my saddle. Take it. And he hunted out of it. I don't know how many times Charles hunted out of it. And he liked it. And it held him. And he's bigger than me. But I don't think that you can break my saddle. But to my point on that, like you said, you want to kind of progress in the saddle. 
game and try different saddles. And I kind of, I talked to a lot of people about it and I get their opinions on it. And I know what I liked about mine this year and what I didn't like about it and where I want to go with it. And I'm making a brand new saddle for this season. It's going to be epic. Well, like I say, like for me, it it isn't about like, I want to try, you know, it's just simply, this is what people are talking about. This is what people have questions about. You know, I've never handled or even seen, um, one of the arrow hunter saddles or, or anything like that. You know, they're not at the shows. They're not around the, the wild edge or the arrow hunter, the Yarak or whatever, like never seen one. Um, you know, the H2, he's a, a Michigan guy. I've messed around with one of those. We've messed around with uh, one of the new ones that's coming out from Latitude Outdoors. And it it's extremely comfortable. I mean, it's it's people are really going to like it. Um, and they're doing their due diligence. But it, it's just a matter of, you know, if you were trying to be completely unbiased, but you'd only ever sat in one tree stand and people had questions about the other ones. I mean, you can't, you can't ask, ask those questions, you know? And I think that's one of the, one of the things that is good about John and I, and I've, I've talked about it a bunch, but he's a buy once, cry once guy. And I'll spend a hundred dollars 50 times before I spend a thousand dollars once. And <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's just my personality and John's going to micro analyze every single thing. So we, we come at it from, from different perspectives. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as you think about the bow game, you know, you can, you can do the same thing. You know, there's those, those guys and they're Matthews guys. They shoot Matthews. That's the only bow they've ever touched. I take advantage every show we go to, anything we have. If there's a, a whole line of bows there, I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to shoot every single bow there. And I'm going to see what I like about each bow and I'm going to see what's comfortable for me. And that's how I, I mean, I, I, I do shoot Matthews, but that's because when I went and looked for my new bow from my old Fred Bear that's up on the wall, it, that, that's what I like best. You know, I landed with a Matthews Creed and, and then, um, you know, I've been shooting that bow ever since. And this year we went to the show and the Great American Outdoor Show and I shot the, uh, VXR and that bow is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I mean, uh, far above and beyond anything else that I shot. I shot the new Elite. I didn't like it at all. I shot the new Prime. I actually did like the new Prime. That new Prime is nice. It's really nice. Um, you know, but the same thing with the Hoyts even. They still have that same funky valley into the back wall. And I don't know. I, I really like the VXR. I, I feel like, uh, you could you could go you could do this all day long with any product in the outdoors, you know you can you can say the same thing where guys and so people are so strongly opinionated over what they have because everybody wants to believe that what they have is the best thing out there possible and what what I love about myself is that I don't I will never just stick to one thing anymore I feel like like I had my XOP stand I freaking loved it I, I would tell you it's the best thing on the planet and then something better came to my mind and now saddles so I upgraded to a saddle now I love a saddle well now I, I kind of want to upgrade and try another saddle 
another climbing method and a different method. And I'm always trying to advance and, you know, you get a lot of heart around it because you think about Pennsylvania hunters, your typical Pennsylvania hunters, the guy that has a ladder stand and maybe a climber stand and, you know, they, they hunt a lot, you know, a lot of rifle hunters in our area, but not a lot of guys are doing the mobile thing and not a lot of people even know what the saddle is. Some of the best hunters in this area that I know, they don't even know what a saddle is. And it blows my mind, but you, know, you can go down that that just wormhole all day long. It, it's it's a rabbit hole of um, this or that product, and the guys that argue about it on Facebook or social media. That's I was saying earlier. That's the disease of social media gives everybody an opinion and everybody a, a voice that maybe they don't deserve a voice or an opinion because they their opinion skewed and it's not accurate as you you've been saying adam they've only ever done one thing they've only ever tried one thing so how can you have an opinion on the broad uh you know someone likes this saddle better but you've only ever sat that saddle and you're going to knock that guy for sitting a saddle that you've never even sat in and tell him it's junk it's trash it's just shit blows my mind man yeah that's you know going along those same lines that's a that's what I've always said, like, especially about bows. It's like, go to a pro shop or go to, you know, if you're going to ATA, if you could have all the bows without the names on it, just go and shoot every bow, and whichever one feels the best to you, pick that one. Who cares what yeah, the mm-hmm. name is? Because all the, all the bows, like every manufacturer out there now, they all have a good product. For yep. the most part, like all those guys, all PSC, uh, Hoyt, you know, it's all about personal. What feels good to you, you know? Like you were talking about the Matthews last year. I shot the, you know, I've been shooting Hoyt. For one thing, with my draw link, thirty-one inch draw link, that's always been like a handicap for me in finding a bow that fits me. You know, it's mm-hmm. been like that for years, and so like, like the first show we went to first ata we went to a few years ago adam shot every bow and he's like you're gonna shoot that one? like they don't have one in my one i it's no point it only goes up to 30 inch trolling so i can't i can't even tweak it to make it fit me so i'm not gonna shoot it um but then you know now it seemed like the last two years they've started to kind of cater to the to the longer drawling guys again um but i shot i shot that VXR this year and lights out. Awesome shooting bow. Shot the PSE, of course, you know, Dudley and NTN. Uh, that bow shot awesome as well. And so it was like, the one thing that I've always, it's kind of bothered me being you know, the tweaker that I am with, with bows. I mean, I build my own strings, I do all my own tuning, and I've always been doing stuff, is the draw link specific can where you know if i get a 31 inch cam or you know not only that then when resale value too is if you're selling a 31 inch bow it's just to that person unless in and like when i'm i build bows for our friends and they you know they buy a matthews they use matthews well i get it out wrong cam frank they sold him a bow that had the wrong draw length for him so we had to order you know $80 $100 cam set and or mods 
you know, where like the PSE this year, it goes from like, I think 27 to 31 inch, you know, whatever. And, and there's, there's downfalls to that too. You're losing maybe a little bit of efficiency, you know, with that, that much drawing adjustability. But, you know, for me, it, it wasn't enough to, uh, I end up picking the PSE, but I can't, no one's, no one's working. You can't even get them right now. Yeah. Goes with the saddles too. Just if you can try them out, try them out. Like uh, what's I can I can never remember people's names, but he does the saddle uh, like class. Oh, Tim. Tim, yeah. They do. Well, there were supposed to be several of them. You know, like, the teaching train. You know, oh, the teacher train. Yeah. yeah. And so that way, you know, that gives opportunity. And he, he has several different kinds. You know, he's got Manus. Now he's got uh, Phantom. I think he uses some trophy lines too. You know, we were going to put something together like that at our local Bowman's Club and have him come down. And we were going to do, you know, just anyone that wanted to come out, try him out. Which one feels the best to you? Then that's, you know, that's the only downfall of this saddle uh, craze right now is there's not a lot of them out there for people just to try. Yeah. No, I could totally yeah. agree with that. Yeah, you can't walk into a Cabela's and start swinging around on a saddle, and that was probably my biggest hesitation. But if you think about it, and, and me personally, I mean, I would never even known what a saddle was if it wasn't for a, a podcast that I heard with Greg Godfrey years ago. You know, and then another one came out, and it's like, man, that's one of my favorite podcasts. Like, this this sounds really good. And, you know, I was I was the bug in Austin's ear there for a while, like, telling him, like, dude, I know the XOP is great. Like, yeah, but I just got it how I like it, and I'm comfortable, and I love it. I'm like, dude, yeah, but, like, we can lose our stands and use this thing we put around our waist and climb trees and be monkeys. And, and that sounds a lot more fun and efficient. Dude, it's right down our alley. Like, this is what we do. You know, getting way back in on public land. And, and we hunt a lot of swamps. I mean, you're, you you want to talk about trying to get through a swamp edge with, uh, with a saddle on, or with a stand on your back. It sucks. You know, there's a lot of ducking underneath, climbing over top of things. Um, you know, a lot of clear cuts in different areas we hunt. The saddle was a huge benefit. Huge benefit. Swamp. I almost left my uh, XOP in the swamp <laughs> on my last time with it, just because it was such a bitch getting out. Like, yeah. I had to go two thirds of a mile. I cut across this nasty marsh. Nasty marsh. <laughs> wrong, wrong thing to do. It took me two hours to go two thirds of a mile. Oh man. I almost <laughs> lost my boots. I was up over my knees in mud. Just it was pouring down rain, and it was. I was cursing Dan in fault. Like I even did a video. Of, like, <laughs> I don't know how. That, Gotta walk like a duck. Yeah. You know, Dan was like, "Oh, it's a beautiful night." You know, I'm like, I'm out there freaking wanting to shoot myself, literally. But I was like, this tree stand can stay because no one would ever find it because no. One in their right mind would ever come this way. Maybe a duck or something. <laughs> I'm so with you there, man. 
Yeah, Austin Buckers here died in the back of a big time swamp, marshy land, and oh, you know, it took us all night getting that thing out of there. It, it was an absolute mess. And if I would have added, like, we didn't have any stands or anything with us, but he did kill it out of the saddle. And uh, I couldn't imagine trying to get in and out of that area with stands on our back. I I don't want to say it wasn't impossible, but it would be very, very difficult. Very difficult. Especially if it was unrealistic, it wasn't there. Oh, man. I had yeah, a big, those old climbers. I had a big doe come underneath me that night, and I was going to, I was like, if it would have been in any other spot, I would have shot it, but I'm like, thinking to myself, if I shoot this deer and have to have someone come out and help me, they'll no longer talk to me. Ever. (laughs) They wouldn't even have made it to the animal. I guarantee it, because there's another one. You did this with a doe? What the hell's wrong with you, man? So. Oh, man. I'm lucky lucky I had Chuck this year. It (laughs) It would have been damn near impossible. I'd still be out there trying to get that deer up. Yeah. Definitely would have had to quarter mine up. There would have been no drag unless we had an airboat, maybe. <laughs> yeah. We should have done the quartering method. That sounds a lot better right now. We definitely <laughs> could have done it. I should have threw the thing in the damn river and just floated down to the bridge with it. <laughs> should have swam. Right. If you were a real man, you would have just jumped in with it, used it as a floating device, and then swam down to the bridge. Yeah, well, we've already established I'm 14, so. (laughs) (laughs) So, Austin, um, what bow are you shooting right now? Oh, God, I don't even want to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I am shooting a Hoyt Turbo Hawk. (laughs) From... I think it's a 2010. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, very exciting. It's very loud. It's kind of accurate, but it uh, it kills deer, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I'm in the market for a new bow. I think that VXR is it's on my radar big time. Yeah, it's sweet, sweet shooting bow. I mean, Unbelievable. And, Charles, you're still shooting the, the Matthews. You said, was it Creed? Creed? I, I have the Creed XS. I have the smaller version, the 28-inch axle axle. Okay. Um, I shot both when I first looked at them. And I kind of wish now that I would have went with the regular Creed because the the, uh, the back wall on the XS is a little, it's a little jumpy. It's a little aggressive um, with that shorter axle axle. They didn't, Matthews didn't quite have it figured out back then quite like they do now with their short axle axle. Like the Triax and and now it's VXR. Those 28-inch axles, they don't even they don't even compare to the draw cycle that what my bow is. And, um, I love it. Bow shoots great. It's the the, the greatest thing I've ever shot. Um, you know, coming like I said from hand-me-down bows. First real bow I ever have, Fred Bear SQ32. It's it's still right there on the wall. That thing is a tank. You know, probably eight percent lead off on it. But uh, killed a lot of deer with that bow, man. Killed a lot of deer with that bow. That was my first real bow that actually fit me on my draw length. I'm not overdrawn. I'm not underdrawing. You know, it, I, I love it. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm rocking now, the, the Creed XS. It's a good bow. That's cool. Yeah. 
I still have some of my old original Matthews. I have old Feather Max and the Q2X, yeah. Q2XL. I remember when I bought my Feather Max, that was when the Z Max came out back in like 92, 93, or something like that. And well, I want got to understand my, these guys were four and three or whatever the fuck. <laughs> like. yeah. Yeah. My brother, my brother still has his feather max, and um, my oldest brother used to shoot it. And then the, my other, uh, I have three brothers, so it gets confusing. But my oldest brother was shooting the feather max, and then my next older brother, he was shooting it for the longest time, and he actually went and found a. a the regular creed for sale and he switched to it but up until a couple years ago that's what he was hunting with it was yeah. a pretty nice bow back then yeah well i want like they had like their speed bow because see the the feather max has the deflex riser and they had a the z max was the the reflex riser and it was a little faster you know but it would only come to 31 30 inch drum and i remember i was at one of our big sporting goods up in Claire, Michigan, Jay Sporting Goods, and they have an awesome bow shop. And I'm up there, and the bow tech guy, he's, like, doing everything he can. Like, we're in the back room, and we're twisting cables up, and, you know, you can only do so much with a single-can bow, but he's, like, finally, he's, like, I know you're hurt, you're, you know, you're set on this bow, but how about you give the Feather Max a shot? He's, like, that one goes all the way to 32-inch drawing. It's the same limbs, cams, everything. It's just a different riser. Like, all right. Mm-hmm. So I, sure enough, I draw that. I'm like, okay, I'll take this one. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still got it. Still hanging up in, in the old shop there. And, you know, Q2XL. You know, that was my next one because it took so long to find another one to fit. And it's yeah. so good. If you ask his wife, he sold both those bows twice already. Let me turn that question around on you. Let's turn the question around on you guys. What are you guys shooting? So, I'm still shooting. Like, right now, I have um, my Hoyt RX-1. I shot the RX-3 and the RX-4, and it was just for the money, you know, now they're up to like seventeen hundred dollars. Bear pal, sickening. You know, and my RX one shoots so good. I just haven't seen the. You know, I end up. I have a Hoyt Pro Max also, nice. Pro Force or whatever it's called. It's a target bow, but that's why I shot my turkey with just because it's a sixty pound limbs, and I turned it down to about fifty six pounds, and that's how I could get those uh, bullhead arrows to shoot consistent. Nice. What about you, Adam? Uh, I'm shooting a 2017 uh, Diamond Deploy. So nice. just what what John said is like at ATA, like I shot every single bow that, that was possible. Um, this is 2018. And uh, the Carbon Icon, the Bowtech Carbon Icon, I couldn't find a better bow for the money. Like there are some bows that maybe edged it out like a little bit, but the price difference was exorbitant. And then I ran into this bow for like, I bought it for 300 bucks, brand new, everything. So, um, and then when we went out West, I bought a carbon Knight to go along with it as a backup bow. Nice. And 
I mean, that bow's been great. Uh, I, as far as like carrying that bow, I've carried that bow for probably damn near a thousand miles now. I mean, like legitimately, you know, I've, I don't know, John will tell you like how far out of spec the, sp- the strings were when he put the new ones on. And, you know, I mean, I, I definitely have got my money's worth out of that bow. Uh, but, but it's funny is that going, I, I may be getting a different bow here. I, I'm, I'm just on the fence about it. Um, but I'm probably, I think I'm going to buy a gearhead um, just oh. because I want to talk about it. Now, again, it's it's a saddle thing, um, simply <laughs> because. It, but I mean, it, because people want to know about these things, and it's like polarizing. And like, I talked to Skip at the show here in in Grand Rapids, but John wasn't there, so he doesn't. I want to have Skip on the podcast. I want to talk to him about him, but it would do no good if John hasn't got a boat to see. So I had it all lined up so we would get a boat to check out. Like a couple of our friends, uh, you know through the podcast or whatever, have them or had one coming in. And then all this fucking lockdown started and then we couldn't get John to have one in his hands to kind of mess around with it. And like, again, it's perfect for us for like trying to do a giveaway to our Patreons or something like that because they're ambidextrous. So you could have a bow that someone could check out, you shoot it. And then all we got to do is, you know, get their specs. John can set it up for them. And then we send it out and, you know, it's, it's kind of like the best that we could do because um, they're an odd thing, but they shoot fairly well. And it's just a matter of, I haven't bought one yet, uh, but now we're going to have this big like lapse between turkey hunting and elk hunting. So I may pick one up in the interim, um, you know, just in the interest of the podcast, you know. That, my, I do have, I talked to our pro shop and uh, as soon as PSC starts shipping bows, I'll have one of the new uh, PSE NTNs coming. Nice. Nice. Uh, I did get to shoot the gear has at the show, and that, that bow is pretty cool. Right. I mean, um, it, it's, it's super different. I had to shoot it. Well, how can you see that bow and not pick it up and shoot it? Like, it's the coolest thing in the world. It's this tiny little bow, and all I could think of was, man, if I took this home and my dad saw me shooting this out in the yard, <laughs> I might get this. So it's bad enough I'm a saddle hunter. He looks at me like I'm a complete moron. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, it didn't shoot terribly. It was super accurate, easy to draw, freaking super easy to shoot. Um, I mean, yeah, there was hand shock in, in the bow. Was there 19 inch axle axle or something crazy? I mean, there's going to be some, but it's shot accurate. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. And like I said, it, like, it doesn't do us any good um, if we talk to somebody about something that we haven't tried. And just the fact that I've shot it, my uh, honestly, like my opinion doesn't mean shit because, like I said, John's a bow guy. So it's like, I could be like, oh, yeah, this is cool. But again, just like the saddle, he's like, nope, never going to do it. Never going to do it. Never going to do it. Buy me two. Like it's it's just so he's gotta he's gotta try it. Me first. too. <laughs> no, like it's yeah. it's up to how it feels. I mean, it's up to the individual. And and and, and that's a weird thing too because of the issue that we have with John is that his draw length is so long that I have to get a bow that's able to have a draw length out to thirty one inches. So 
it's going to be like the 24 um probably and it's got to have the adjust the completely adjustable it's got to it's got to be able to be relevant for john otherwise it doesn't do any good well after building everybody's bows i'm used to shooting i just built joe's bow which is shipping out tomorrow to colorado that's as a 28 inch draw on that one i'm pretty sure oh man but easy i'm a 27 and a half or okay <laughs> <laughs> a little t-rex arms oh you're one of those quarter inch guys like austin Half like that. Come on. <laughs> Double his size. <laughs> you guys are killing me. <laughs> what are you guys using for uh, releases? Are you guys using wrist straps or are you guys using any thumb releases or back tensioning? Any, what style? I switched to a thumb release this year. Are I'm still like on the fence with it. I shot my buck with it and did quite a bit of target shooting with it, but. I'm still, I guess I haven't really found a solid anchor point with it yet. Like, I haven't found somewhere where I'm really comfortable with it. I found that I shot better with my knuckle as an anchor, but it wasn't really comfortable for me to hold that way. I don't I don't know. I'm still kind of playing around with it. But, yeah, I might go back to the wrist strap. And, it, I don't know, it's a, it's a four finger with the thumb release, but I can't. I bought a Cabela's, but yeah, it's been uh, it's been an interesting game with it. Oh, Scott's is it? What you bought? No, it's um. Oh, man, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I didn't I'm go full back tension. Caliper. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried the thumb release. I tried. I tried Austin's. I tried another buddy's. Same thing with me. Um, you know, I played a lot of baseball. And my shoulder, I, I have a lot of trouble when I, I guess when you open up and come in this way, it opens up that labrum, which is just horrible. I have a really bad labrum. Or when I'm drawing normal, I feel like more of the pressure's in my back, but it doesn't open up the shoulder as much. So I've always worn just the regular wrist strap caliper style release. Um, that's what's comfortable for me. I, I can't. I don't know how people shoot with just those little hand releases without a, a strap around the wrist. I honestly don't. It drives me nuts. But yeah, I feel like I'm just going to let go of the thing. And if I'm thinking about that that much, what am I going to be thinking about when a deer's coming in? Like, I, I would rather just not instinctively draw with my muscles. Not, I got my, my hand open and draw and then, you know, go through the motion of coming with your rest point, come to your anchor point, and then just, you know, squeezing off the trigger. So I don't. I think that it works best for me personally. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's what. That's what matters. So. Yeah, and it's a nineteen oh two. It might be made from steel from World War Two. <laughs> uh, I have to get my V loops special made on my my strings because the, the calipers on those things are thick. <laughs> it's old school, man. Velcro, old school. Oh, like an old Winfrey. Here, I'll. Cobra. I, don't I have know. an old Cobra. I can't. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> oh, oh my dad's original. Yeah, Dude, we were, dad. I mean, John posted a picture not long ago from like the first fucking hand release that you've ever seen, and somebody from uh, 
Washington, I think, was like, can I buy that from you? Can I, it's like a piece of like Americana. <laughs> Americana. Put it in a shadow box. <laughs> my dad, I mean, my dad shot, it's the old hot shots. And they used to have like a nylon loop and two finger and they had three finger. That's what my dad shot. My dad uh, cut his hand off almost all the way off when he was a teenager. And when they oh, sewed it back on, he lost most of his feeling except for in his thumb, and so that's how he had to shoot. He couldn't shoot fingers or the caliper, regular caliper release, so he shot with that old hot shot. <laughs> I still, and that's what, and so he had a bunch of them, and so my, you know, the process I, you know, went through was first to start out with a little fiberglass longbow recurve, whatever it was, and when I could hit the target, then I got my first compound bow, but that was just a flipper rest, no sights. It was just all instinctive. It was like, there's your bow, go shoot, you know, only shoot the target. And uh, I learned the hard way. I shot a rubber football and almost pulled the, you'll shoot your eye out, end up, the, it hit the football perfect. <laughs> Came, it bounced straight back, and the knock hit me right in right above my eye. Oh, and man. I had like a snake bite, like right, right in the top of my eyelid. And uh, my mom was watching out the window when it happened, too. <laughs> Thank God she didn't tell my dad. But oh, man. So, <laughs> the progression went on. Then I finally, okay, so you could hit the pie plate at the on the bale. And then, then I got one pin. And it was the old, like you tied the old brass pin and just a metal bracket. There was no guard or anything. And then, you know, I was shooting all you know, the finger tabs. And then I got into, I got to shoot the, my dad's release. And I was like, no, no, I'm something. And then it was the old, <laughs> we have, I think they were called 10, Ted Hines lit pin and a little rheostat. I just cleaned out my drawer and threw the old thing away finally. I should have kept that too. You should have kept it, man. Shadow box that thing too. It was a nine volt battery, nine volt battery, and then a big old rheostat mounted on that, and one single old fiber optic pin. You turn that sucker on. Remember the knob would fall off, or you forget to turn the thing off. You get out there, your battery's dead. I got an old mag light if you're interested. (laughs) I got a couple of those too. (laughs) John had the stabilizer. Mount Maglite. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that one. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a Michigan thing. Yeah. That's for, that for bow fishing. What are you talking about? You know, this has been a, a ton of fun, guys. I don't know if you, uh, if, if this is kind of what you had in mind, Charles, when you were like, hey, you know, if anybody wants to come on the podcast, anybody wants to hang out, and you're like, Oh, they got these clowns from Michigan, I guess, uh, you know, <laughs> take what we can get, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys were kind of first, so I was like, well, nobody else volunteers, I guess we'll stick with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I it was fun. It. It's a good conversation, like you said, you get on with other podcasters, you never know where it's going to go, and, and it's fun because, you know, we don't really prep for it. You kept asking, I'm like, I don't know, dude. I mean, we'll just talk about whatever comes up because that's what we always do. You know, we don't, we don't 
typically try to keep it too uh, in line with anything because you guys have done this, so you know what you're getting into, and we've done it. We know what we're getting into, and just make it happen. Yeah, yep. yeah. And you know, you know, we got to talk about you know all of the all of the fun stuff. We got to bash on a lot of people like Austin um, <laughs> and all of his deadheads and his wife beating him, and he had oh, to pull heads. out his quarter incher and. And, and finally come in right at the end and, and and John spoke on this podcast so I mean this is a monumental evening <laughs> I like well, it's it. been good we'll have to keep touch and uh, I'll definitely have to maybe take you up on that offer with the Manus but I don't know man I'm really leaning towards that Phantom so we'll see we'll see if stimulus check around to make their way to my doorstep if that happens game over well and 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 to be honest, I mean, if it if it doesn't work out for you, I can always send it to Austin because, um, you know, he's going to have a, a child now, and I got to worry about his safety. And at least yeah. this has been tested. Any so, day now. <laughs> I tested the hell out of that thing, man. I'm telling you. Wait till yep. the Tino 2.0 comes out. It's gonna be. And, and, and you guys are gonna be begging for one. And that's the issue, you know. You're just as bad as everybody else on the internet. It's like we just pulled this behind <laughs> a truck. Like it's not like we have a whole podcast about TMA testing in, in saddles, Austin. I would, I would direct you towards that. Um, you got it, dude. Because because <laughs> it's not it, it's not just you know single strength or, or this or that. I mean, these are real dynamic things. This is your life we're talking about. This is your child's future. You are yeah. certainly correct. You are absolutely on, correct. Make sure that life insurance paid up. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and how did he die? Oh, yeah, he fucked up his own life by trying out a thing that he tested and that void bonk. Like, yeah. <laughs> Don't jinx me, man. I can't ever send it again. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, insurance companies are not set up to help you out. They are there to take your money. Oh, damn it, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, they're declining That's... that one. They're like, wait, he climbed up in the tree with what? <laughs> mm, we're gonna write this one off as suicide, boys. Yeah. Oh, God. Not paid. <laughs> we're we're on saddle hunter forum too. We we saw the build process. No, <laughs> but but yeah, guys. So for our listeners or or you know people that are just finding out for this for the first time, where can they follow along with everything that you guys are doing? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Go Wild, anywhere podcasts are found, iTunes. Podbean, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, all those fun places at the White Toast Traction Podcast. Wonderful, wonderful. What about you guys? Same here. We got the uh, Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. We got the website, Instagram, Facebook, and then I have the Angler Archer, but I don't post anything on that. (laughs) We're working up to it. We're we're building up our YouTube right now, and and John's starting to film his fishing and, and, and all of that. You know, we, we pigeonholed ourselves with this whole bow hunting thing, and that's why I can't bring a shotgun turkey hunting. Um, and so that's why I'm adamantly, vehemently opposed to anything fishing, uh, any talk. So, I mean, you guys you guys really touched a nerve earlier, and I might have to edit that part out. So. Except for bow fishing, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Fishing. Yep. I'm looking forward to bow fishing this year. I'm, I'm truly looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. For sure. For sure. But, yeah, uh, and, and, you know, for... Anybody who heard us talk about our Patreon and stuff, um, so you can check us out at patreon.com forward slash Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. Uh, we do quarterly giveaways for like 
big time shit. So um, definitely go check that Good out plug. as well. Hey, that's what I'm here for. So, <laughs> I might slap like up. I'm, you guys are giving some shit away, and I'm, you know, I like yeah, we just, stuff. We just gave away a phantom. Yep, just gave away a phantom. Uh, we're going to be giving away a Traeger um, for this what? quarter. And um, for I'll give you I'll 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 say it here. I've been going back and forth with them. Uh, I we're gonna for the third quarter for sure. Uh, we're gonna give away a set of B sticks. Sweet. Um, but if the B stand is out, I'm gonna give away one of those too. So nice. Um, it's gonna be the full beast hunting package. But if not, I think I may give away two sets of B sticks. Um, because they're just looking at like where it falls in. Very cool. I better sign up too. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, fucking I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? You give her all the shit away, and I don't even have it. Like, hey, you can sign up. It's five bucks, man. It is five dollars. So bucks. that ain't shit, man. It's a fifteen dollar lotto ticket. Think about it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so we always plug that. Uh, we we do these these same kind of Zoom chats and 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 sit down with our Patreons and we bring guests on to talk and, you know, just trying to try and let the listeners, you know, that really support us in on kind of like everything we're doing. And, and like I say, when you listen to podcasts, you feel like you're in the room and you're having that deer camp experience, but to, to actually say, all right, well, come on and let's have a conversation and, and, and be part of it. Um, you know, that's kind of the community that we're trying to build with all that. And if we got to give shit away to have people do that, well, that's fine too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, man. <laughs> I think that's a good way to give back to your, to your listeners. And, yeah. you know, you can never show them enough appreciation. That's what makes us do this and it makes it possible. So, right. That's cool. Sure. All right, guys. Really we really cool. appreciate it. I think that's, uh, I'm gonna wrap this one up for the week. I like it. Alright. Thanks, guys.